The GameCube's Cool Podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube was cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters for the month of February. I Rebel, Dan Wagner, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector, Tristan Pantorado, Wilshire, White Wind Wolf L, and Kara Link. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the GameCube was Cool podcast. It's been a long time since uh, it's just been you and me uh, reading the back of the cases before the episode. Today we're going to be talking about nine total games. We're going to be going back and looking at all the Tom Clancy games, the Splinter Cells, the Rainbow Sixes, and the Ghost Recons. Nine games is a lot, and we don't want to read the back of the cases during the episode, because that will just break up the flow, and uh, frankly, I don't want to. So I'm going to read them uh, before the episode. So if you want to skip ahead a few minutes, by all means, go ahead. If you want to hang out and listen to me read the back of the cases, I will start right now. Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell. You are Sam Fisher. You have the right to spy, steal, destroy, and assassinate to ensure that American freedoms are protected. If captured, the U.S. government will disavow any knowledge of your existence. You are a Splinter Cell. Next we have Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Chaos Theory. This game is the truth, said IGN. What if an algorithm could crash the stock markets, black out New York, and hijack ballistic missiles? This is 2007. This is reality. The one programmer who has the key to this algorithm has vanished. Find him at any cost. Bring the battle closer to the enemy. Bring it to their soil before the chain of chaos becomes unstoppable. You are Sam Fisher. You are a splinter cell. Then we have Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, Double Agent, the highly anticipated sequel to the best-selling Sam Fisher saga. You are Sam Fisher, covert operative, ruthless terrorist, double agent. Guns and ammo are your tools. Deception, betrayal, and sabotage are your lifeline. As you infiltrate a vicious terrorist group and destroy it from within, your choices you make affect the outcome of your game. How far will you go to complete your mission? Next up, we have Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon, Swift, Silent, Invisible. Take a deadly realistic lesson on how to fight on tomorrow's battlefields. Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon is a revolutionary combination of real-world strategy and explosive action based on U.S. Special Forces operations. Then we have Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon 2, First Contact. North Korea, 2007. You lead the ghosts, the world's most cutting-edge ground force. Your orders, disable a rogue Korean military faction before it triggers a full-scale nuclear Armageddon. Storm the battlefields of tomorrow with the latest high-tech equipment at your fingertips. Then we have Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six 3. Lead the world's deadliest counter-terrorist force. When a terrorist plot threatens to tilt the balance of peace between the United States and Saudi Arabia, Team Rainbow is the only answer. You must execute your mission with deadly force in order to protect the innocent and ensure peace. Then we have Tom Clancy, Rainbow Six, Lockdown. This time, the target is you. Your team stalks terror for a living. Now, terror is stalking you. You've got cutting-edge weaponry and peerless military training. They've got a man-made virus capable of killing millions. You have the world's best operatives. They have one of your men hostage. The chips are stacked. Next up, we have Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, Pandora Tomorrow. The new dawn of stealth action. You are Sam Fisher, a covert U.S. operative on a mission of high-risk espionage. Execute with total stealth. Exit without a trace. And last but not least, we have Tom Clancy's The Sum of All Fears. White knuckle action based on the hit movie and Tom Clancy's best-selling novel. Your mission, execute Jack Ryan's orders as you execute hostages, plant bombs, and attack terrorists. This is your chance to create your own ending to the Sum of All Fears saga. 
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the Back of the Case segment for this episode. I thank you so much for listening to it. If you did tune in all the way, thank you. Uh, You must really like hearing the sound of my voice, but it's time to bring Mike on now so we can actually talk about these games in a little bit more in-depth and bring on a few guests, too. So, with that out of the way, Mike and Neil, take it away. The GameCube GameCube. was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Today's topic of the show is going to be all about Tom Clancy. And of course, uh, you're familiar with uh, Mr. Mr. Thomas Clancy, no? Of course, yeah, Mr. Thomas Clancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know him as the one of the co-owners of the Baltimore Orioles uh, back in the day. Yeah, that, that's. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, he, he was he was a co-owner, which is really good. Uh, he's actually not the author of many of his own books, which I find incredibly fascinating. He also has nothing to do with some of the games that he's named after. Uh, one of my favorite things about Tom Clancy are just the number of novels that he does have. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but I thought I would play a little bit of a game with you here, Mike. You're not super familiar with most of Tom Clancy's work, I'm assuming. No, really just his video games and a couple of the movies. Yeah, like uh, Hunt for Red October and Rainbow Six and whatnot. Well, I thought it'd be fun if uh, I name out uh, – I'm going to name 10 titles here, and I want you to let <laughs> me know if the, this is a Tom Clancy book or a song by the beloved band Five Finger Death Punch. Does that sound like fun? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a great time, Neil. Let's do I it. I don't know if I know any Five Finger Death Punch songs, but here we go. You just got to let me know if it's a book or a song. The first title okay. here I have here is Power and Empire. That's going to be a Tom Clancy book. That is a Tom Clancy book. Good job. Ding, ding, ding. One point for Mike. Next up I have here is Full Circle. I'm going to say Five Finger Death Punch song. Very good. Five Finger Death Punch. Two for two. Loving it. Third up I have here is Bad Company. See, that could go either way. This is a curveball. Yeah. I'm going to say Five Finger once again. You nailed it. Nice. Oh, yes. Because there's Battlefield Bad Company, I believe, is the name of the – that's a video game. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Next up I have here, number four, Top of the World. Five Finger again? Yeah. You're, Ooh. you're cheating. I think you're actually a Five Finger <laughs> Death Punch uh, uh, diehard Aficionado. out there. Exactly. <laughs> Connoisseur. Next up I have here is Under Fire. Oh, well, it's got to be Tom Clancy. Yeah, yeah, you got That's an easy one. Okay. That That's a layup for sure. Uh, Duty and Honor. Tom Clancy, right? Yep, Tom Clancy. Okay. Six for oh, six. Uh, I, I thought that might have been like a, you know, try and fool me there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, No, no. I tried to be a little uh, sneaky, but we'll see. Target Acquired. <laughs> Tom Clancy. Yep, you got it. You you know Tom Clancy novels. Clear. Uh, eighth one here is Rock Bottom. Uh, Five Finger Death Punch. Yeah, yeah. Five yeah. Finger Death Punch. Very good. Okay, okay. Number nine, Agony of Regret. Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Hmm. Tom Clancy? No, it's a five-finger death punch song. The Mighty Have Fallen. The Mighty Have Fallen. Agony of Regret (laughs) is a five-finger death punch classic, I'm assuming. (laughs) I don't know. And then the last I have here is Command Authority. Well, Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy. You got it. You nailed it. Okay. Nine out of ten. Not bad. Your parting parting gift is 90%. Your parting (laughs) gift is the complete box set of five-finger death punch and a concert to their first show in Toronto in uh, God knows how long. I was hoping you were going to get me the box set of Boss Skaggs. Ah, uh, that, that's a good one. That's notoriously hard to find these days. <laughs> the fam, fam, well, th- family Guy inflated the sales a bit of that box set, I think. 
Well, thank you, Neil, for that lovely uh, opening topic to you to jump into the world of Tom Clancy as we will be diving into this episode. Uh, but Neil, unfortunately, I'm I'm angry. I'm Uh-oh. I'm upset, uh, and it's not that because Tom Clancy died in 2013. You know, I'm still <laughs> sad about that. But uh, no, I'm really upset at Nintendo right mm. now. Honestly, uh, there was news recently with Nintendo closing the Wii U and 3DS shop in March of 2023, which is fine. You know, these consoles are basically dead. They're not they're not being supported anymore anyways. Mm-hmm. And that was a standard thing we all saw was going to happen. Sure. But the, the issue here, Neil, is in an interview with Nintendo, basically they were like, well, we don't have any consideration of uh, keeping up any of these games that were available on the virtual console for future consoles. Yeah, and that's a huge issue. Not so much with the Nintendo games. Like, like a lot of people yeah. are thinking like, oh, how am I going to play Super Metroid? Or how am I going to play, you know, all these Mario and Zelda games? It's not so much that that's the issue. It's all of the indie games and games yeah. that were exclusive to the 3DS and the Wii U are just going to be gone? Yep. Just gone, I guess. They, they, like they said, they have no plan to support these games anymore in any way. And that's just such a, a slap in the face to the developers, the publishers, yeah. the fans, of course, is the big one. And like just shooting themselves in the foot. It, it's such a weird but classic Nintendo move. It is. It, it's it's terrible. And at first, my first thought was, well, we asked for this. Like back in the Wii U era, people were asking for a subscription service. But we didn't mean to the entire eShop. I think that we meant a subscription service to the Nintendo library. I mm-hmm. I would still want the Wii U and the 3DS eShop to be available. Just I get that it's difficult to port everything over to Switch, just turnkey. It's not like just pushing a button and drag and dropping files. But there's got to be somebody out there that can do this, like a company or Nintendo themselves to take action and do it. it it's, it's too bad to a lot of developers who finally became Nintendo, you know, published on Nintendo hardware. And yeah. now they're being kind of left... Like, if you have a certain 3DS or Wii U game on your console, like, that's the only copy of that game that'll ever exist. You, you can't ch- turn that over to your Switch. You can't trade it. You can't sell it. It just exists on that hard drive forever. Yeah, we, we talk about it even when we speak of games that, uh, you know, these some of these GameCube games that you can still buy on the Wii U and eShop, mm-hmm. uh, on the Wii U and 3DS eShop for Virtual Console, like... Uh, I think of some of the, for a while, like the, the Spider-Man games, like that was one of the only places you could buy them. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that, like that had just gone. It's, and of course, all the indie devs and, and their games who didn't get physical releases. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just such a tone-deaf response. Like, what are you doing, Nintendo? It's so funny because a week ago, we were kind of like on top of the world with Nintendo news. We had that great direct, you know, we got, we're getting Strikers, a Strikers game, we're getting Mario Kart DLC, and then... Less than a week later, everyone's down on down on Nintendo. It, it was just such a, a roller coaster of an up and down month. February has been. Yeah, I, it's there is something almost um, something nice about Nintendo just being Nintendo. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's awful in a way, but it's also like okay, the universe is you know balancing itself out. Everything's fine. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> Nintendo is just not wanting to take people's money. You know. Yeah, I know. It's we make jokes about it all the time, but it's totally true and. Like you said, Mike, these consoles are dead. I'm sure that like the the sales of Wii U and 3DS eShop games are not through the roof anymore. Uh, it's hard to imagine anybody buys many digital games anymore. But listeners, if you do want to go out there and buy them, you have until March of 2023, so almost exactly one year. And as of August of this year, it won't be possible to add any currency to your Wii U or 3DS using a gift card. So mm-hmm. if you don't put your credit card up onto your accounts, you have to get the, those gift cards uploaded sooner rather than later. And I believe that if if you have any money left on your account on your Wii U or your 3DS, it, it just translates over to your Switch. So 
you, the odds are you have a switch at this point, but if you don't, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really sad, and um, yeah, you know, if I'm Xbox and Sony, I'm just looking at this, being like, what are you doing? <laughs> especially, dude, especially Xbox. Like, yeah, <laughs> just thinking about all of the the very user friendly things that they have done in the last few years with backwards compatibility, their shop, their Game Pass, like. Microsoft is doing everything right when it comes to the user experience of being a gamer. It's just their exclusives aren't there yet. But uh, that's for a completely different podcast. But I'm sure Microsoft and Sony are thinking, great, like this is awesome. (laughs) But I mean, at the end of the day, Nintendo will still sell millions and millions of units of their exclusives. And that's where their bread is buttered mainly. It's okay, Neil. We're going to will the virtual console back into existence. <laughs> we will. I don't know. Are there any games that you're missing? Like, like, are there any games that you're thinking about specifically that are going to die that we'll never be able to play again? No, I can't think of one specifically, but it's just yeah. the idea that, yeah, that, that angers me. That's the thing. It's like, I'm angry, but I don't know why. Like, I, <laughs> I, don't, I can't think of any Wii U or 3DS games that I've been holding out on all these years. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it is what it is. It's uh, You just got to move on. And, and if you have the option to buy games physically, this is why I always say to buy your games physically and hang on to them because you never know when uh, when virtually the games won't be available anymore. Like you mentioned with Spider-Man, like all those Activision Spider games are now impossible to play unless you own the discs. And same with the Mario 3D collection because, you know, yeah. why would we have that available for purchase? That made no sense, but I... I... <laughs> You're getting me angry about something that happened a year ago, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the same old song and dance from Nintendo. And of course, this is a Nintendo podcast in a way. We're talking about the GameCube. And we have a lovely question from a patron, Neil. We do. Listeners, remember, if you want to support the show, you can always go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is cool. Supporters at the $5 or above level get their name read in the credits and the option to submit an opening topic, just like Joey Sirico did this week. And Joey says... I know I'm late to the party, but I wanted to submit an opening question. Coming hot off the heels of the release of the Uncharted movie, and also earlier last year, hearing about the new Mario movie, oof, what GameCube game would you like to have developed into a movie with an unlimited budget, and what kind of directors slash cast would you have into it? It's getting deep here. I think something like an Eternal Darkness movie directed by David Lynch or Guillermo del Toro would be awesome. Or something like a Metroid Prime movie directed by Ridley Scott or Denis Villeneuve would be amazing too. It's a great question. The topic of video game movies always comes up in this sphere. I personally prefer video game TV shows. I'm really enjoying the new Cuphead show. The Witcher show was great. Uh, the Arcane. Arcane League of Legends was really cool. But the movie uh, debate still comes up. So, Mike, with that, why don't you uh, hit me with the first movie you would like to see made uh, based on a Nintendo game? A uh, GameCube well, game, sorry. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, there's a lot. I, got, I had a big list of stuff. <laughs> but uh, my first reaction was, damn it. Uh, Joey took my idea of Eternal Darkness, well, our, our idea of yeah. making an Eternal Darkness Netflix movie oh, um, directed by uh, David Lynch would be a really cool one because it would be – it'd have to be super weird and mm-hmm. uh, and very fourth wall breaking, Yeah, uh, which I would love. Metroid Prime movie, that's – I mean, uh, Alien is mm-hmm. basically what Metroid Prime is. Right. Uh, and Ridley Scott doing Alien, so that, that would check out as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, there was a bunch that I was just thinking off the top of my head. Beyond Two Souls would, would be cool. Second Sight would be cool. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Yes, Neil, I know mm. uh, <laughs> Spider-Man exists. <laughs> but an Ultimate Spider-Man movie would be cool. Uh, Call of Duty Big Red one. Uh, you know, oh, with cool. uh, uh, that has a really cool story. I would love to have Steven Spielberg or someone do it, maybe with those Band of Brothers people who mm-hmm. lent their voices to, I believe, actually, that was Medal of Honor. Right. But, you know, they could still do it for Big Red One. Yeah. Um, Nightfire, of course, would be, <laughs> you know, would be so cool because it's such a cool, like, original story. Uh, mm. Super Monkey Ball, the movie or a TV series, Ooh. maybe. Okay. Uh, but my actual 
one that I was really thinking of was Time Splitters. Okay. Uh, yeah. I would love a Time Splitters movie. Um, okay. It's done in the you know a, a sort of um, a sort of Christopher Nolan style. So Christopher Nolan nice. directing it. Uh, written by his brother. Uh, he always has a lot of kind of mind-bending uh, movie scripts, and Great. I think Time Splitters is a good one for that. I've seen for cast. Um, for whatever reason, one of the main guys, I forget all the people's names in Time Splitters, but Tommy Lee Jones is just who I think of. Oh, wow. It, it, for one of them. Is he young enough to be an action hero still? Like, how old no, is he? No, but he, well, he'd just be there. I don't know. He he would star in it in some way. Um, I would love Zoe Kravitz to play one of the females in that. I Again, just I just saw them and I was like, yeah, Zoe Kravitz. That just okay. came to mind. Okay. And I would like it. This is a fun one. You'll like this, Neil. Okay. Um, I like a little little tie-in here and somehow have Pierce Brosnan Ooh. in the movie because, you know, Time Splitters <laughs> is like GoldenEye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a really cool <laughs> reference that very few yeah. people would get. I love that idea. Also, all of these people are at least 60 years old except for <laughs> except for Zoe Kravitz. I don't know how old she is. but I, Well, her dad can be in it too. Lenny Kravitz? Oh, my God, dude. I'm loving this movie already. And it's live action, I'm assuming, right? Yes, yes, yeah. Great. Yeah. I, love, I love Nolan films. I think that's a perfect idea. Thank you. And what about you, Neil? I have a few ideas. Uh, my first one, I went with GameCube exclusive games, not so much the licensed stuff because so okay. many of those games are already movies. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my first idea was Wind Waker. Sure. Directed by Bob, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, but Persichetti. Uh, he directed the um, Into the Spider-Verse movie. Oh, so, sweet. Yeah, just that animation is so cool. Like Mitchell's in the Machines, that movie as well, I believe is that studio, the animation studio. I'm not sure. Phil Lord and uh, I forget the other guy's name. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't know if Bob uh, directed it, but I think that'd be really cool. Um, uh, I, I, I'm really bad at casts, but uh, I, since this is going to be an animated <laughs> film, I would love Link to be voiced by Tara Strong. Perfect. Sure. I think she could. Do, I think she would do a great job of it, dude. Uh, Just grunts. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe maybe it's time <laughs> yeah. to give Link a voice, and I think Tara Strong yeah. would be great at that. For Link's yeah. sister, I have the one and only Frank Oz. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Actually, I'm not sure if he's doing voice acting anymore. I believe he did Yoda back on the Last Jedi movie, but uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, Zelda would be uh, voiced by Haley Steinfeld from like Hawkeye and uh, the the Bumblebee movie. I really like her. I think she's a great actress, and yeah. she was also a voice actor in uh, Arcane. She did a really good job there. And cool. uh, Ganondorf would be voiced by David Draymond, who's the front man of Disturbed. Oh my god, nice cast. Jeez. That man has not had any work for 15 years. No, no, no. He's just doing the same numma numma nas for the last 15 years. So, uh, my second idea here is a Chibi Robo movie directed by Henry Selick, who directed Coraline, the Tim Burton. Oh. Yeah. I would I would love a creepy kind of robot movie. I think it would be kind of cool, almost like that movie 9. Uh, yeah. But make it a little bit more kiddish. Uh, maybe produced by Tim Burton if you want to. Uh, if it's going to be live action, my actors, this is kind of weird. I'm, I'm picturing that the parents would be a little more younger than they were portrayed in the game because the daughter is quite young from the looks of it. For the dad, I have Zac Efron because I like Zac Efron. I think that would be funny. <laughs> is Just, it time for him to play dads? It's, is I he there yet? He's in his 30s. I think he could he, he could pull off having a daughter who's five. Definitely. Sure. Like yeah. five or six. He's definitely in that age now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the mom, definitely older than Zac Efron, but I have Rachel McAdams. Uh, we love me. Rachel McAdams, Canadian icon. Canadian icon, Rachel McAdams. I believe she's from the Toronto area too, which is nice. No, she's from London. Oh, London. Okay. That yeah. kind of counts as a... I'll count that as the Toronto area. Uh, the kid, I have no idea. I don't know how to cast kids. I don't know any children in theater these days. Uh, and then some random kid, some random ki- any kid off the street, just dress him up like a uh, like a frog and uh, get yep. get him in there. And of course, Chibi Robo would be voiced by Vin Diesel. 
<laughs> well done well done i'm loving these casts so far you're oh, killing it dude i got up so early this morning and I, I was working on this my last one last one for you here is a pikmin movie it's okay. me gotta have a pikmin movie directed by rob robert zemeckis oh nice i'm pretty sure he's dead but yeah great <laughs> great start olimar is played by tom hanks and, uh, is this just Polar Express? No, this is uh, <laughs> no. You're very close. Uh, the Pikmin are once again voiced by Vin Diesel. All Good. of them. <laughs> so basically, Robert Zemeckis directed Castaway, and oh. Tom Hanks stars in Castaway. So this is basically Castaway, but with Pikmin instead of Wilson. And instead of Wilson, we have Pikmin voiced by yeah. Vin Diesel. He has to do all of them that. in the high voice. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. I actually didn't know Robert Zemeckis did Castaway. That's, yeah. uh, I guess that makes sense why he did Polar Express probably a couple of years later with uh, uh, with Tom Hanks. It's like Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. They just have a, a thing for each other, I guess. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, I love these movies. I hope that they all get made. But uh, until then, we'll have to just enjoy the Mario movie and the Uncharted film, which I have not seen yet. But Joey, thank you so much for writing in. We really appreciate those opening topics to get the uh, to get the ball rolling. We do have one more opening segment, Mike, before we start the episode, so why don't we roll right into that one? That's right, Neil. It's time for the Mailbag! Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to write into the show, you can do so by leaving us a review on the podcast service of your choice, or you can send us a DM on Instagram. We're also on Discord now, so you can join the conversation there with us and many of the other listeners, just like Mike, who wrote into us today. DMN Takeover on it. Discord uh, actually said, happy to be a part of this. Finding this podcast has been a highlight of my last 365 days, but has also made me find my desire to build out the entire library. Oh, God. Yes. I I also get that desire whenever I see like a, just a lot of uh, GameCube games on sale. You yep. know, just someone selling the whole thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I could just buy like a whole bunch of these. And most of them are games I never want to play. <laughs> <laughs> it's just nice to see them on the shelf once you have those all like that nice line of GameCube logos on your shelf. It just looks so cool. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a message on uh, Discord, our server there. So please come on over. Just the channel is called The GameCube Was Cool. Uh, got a bunch of people over there now. So now we can talk to you guys all the time. It's great. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. But with that, Mike, I think it's time to get started with episode 86 of the GameCube Was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 385 games. You can visit thegamecubeiscool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. That's me. That's him. Last week, we talked about Fantasy Star Online, Skies of Arcadia, and Amazing Island to once again make us wonder if Sega is using the GameCube to prolong the Dreamcast library. We think so. This week, we're covering all the Tom Clancy games on the GameCube. Uh, we want to make this uh, this episode as long as a Tom Clancy novel, basically. We're covering nine games today from Rainbow Six Siege, Splinter Cell, Ghost Recon, and The Sum of All Fears. Yeah, Neil, there are quite a few games on here uh, that Tom Clancy, of course, lent his name to. Uh, but just Tom Clancy in general, he is an interesting man. And I got to give him a lot of credit as someone who was a huge visionary when it came to what video games could become. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he definitely like he had no business being as interested in video games. He was in his 50s when Rainbow Six uh, came out. Uh, Rainbow Six based on the 1998 novel. Uh, I believe the game came out around the same time on PC and, and other various consoles. So at that point, he was 51, and mm -hmm. he had had a very successful uh, career as an author at that point. 
uh, selling over 100 million books. Uh, most notably, his career began in 84 when he was about 37 years old, I suppose, with The Hunt for Red October. Uh, and then, you know, his career just sparked from there. But since then, all of those books and all of these games have come out, like to this day, like people still talk about The Division and uh, Rainbow Six Siege and everything like that. Like there's so many games that has his name on that he has nothing to do with, which I find really interesting. Yeah, basically, he just knew to lend his name and how, you know, how powerful his name was as a brand. Mm-hmm. Just just a very early example of that, which uh, it's, it reminds me of John Madden a lot as well yeah. with, with NFL. Seeing the power of video games and, and how this would be the future, you know, back in the, the 80s, basically, early 90s. Mm-hmm. And Tom Clancy, a similar thing, too. He actually was able to create his own developing and publishing studio, Red Storm Entertainment, to create a lot of these games. Again, just, you know, really forward thinking because at this point, um, if you did lend your name to something, it was really just more of a throw it out and that's it. And video games at this time were just like, it was either in arcades or just these nerdy guys played them. That was what video games were thought of right. you know, in, yeah. in the mid-90s or kids' games. And so this this style of shooter, especially the tactical shooter genre, uh, which became extremely popular on PC and then later Xbox, mm-hmm. um, this was something that Tom Clancy saw and just immediately realized, like, yes, like my books can be uh, perfectly ported over to this world. And I think, you know, a user, a lover of the books or the movies is going to have, you know, just a, as much of a great time playing these games as they will reading or, or watching the movie. Totally. It's just so interesting to, like, know that your name sells video games. And this guy has nothing to do with game development. Like, like when you think of video games, no. the names that come to mind are, you know, Shigeru Miyamoto and Kojima and, and all of those names. But, like, you see Tom Clancy on a, on a game box, you, you, you have just as much trust in it as if it was a as if it was a Metal Gear game. Like, the the Tom yep. Clancy name sells so much. Same thing with the novels and even certain movies. Like, a lot of his movies did really well, too. Hunt for Red October is a, a very popular movie from uh, from the 80s. So, I mean, good on Patriot him. Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, yeah. uh, Some of All Fears, which we'll be talking about as well. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the Jack Ryan series that's yep. out on Amazon Prime, too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... Uh, it, it, Tom Clancy is has been, you know, prevalent in every medium, basically, since the hunt for the red october right uh, uh so it's uh i just yeah just really really impressed with him and you know he did die almost 10 years ago mm-hmm. and books by him are still coming out all the time and it's how it kind of works and you've probably seen books on the shelves and stuff like that so it'll say tom clancy's you know uh, jack ryan in uh whatever the title of the book is and then at the bottom written by this person right so that's kind of how they do it. And they do that a little bit with the James Bond series as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be Ian Fleming's James Bond in. Um, but uh, uh, Tom Clancy's name is even bigger yes. <laughs> on, on the uh, on the cover of the books. Yeah, his name on a book is so iconic for me. Like, I think of my, my older brother, just him lying on his bed, like, as a kid, as a teenager. He would read Tom Clancy books, which was really funny. Just my brother, this, you know, he had a Pokemon He'd have Pokemon on his Game Boy, on his bedside table, and then just a Tom Clancy novel. That was Those were like the two things that I really associate with my brother when we were young. It's kind of funny. I'm not sure if he ever actually finished those books because they are massive. Like a lot of those books are – like I would like just compare the books that I read to him. I was reading Goosebumps and, <laughs> and uh, you know, the Treehouse books or whatever. And then he's reading these massive Tom Clancy novels about spy and espionage and military science. And it's all like Cold War fiction kind of yeah, basically, yeah. which is it's – a, it's a neat idea. It's just way – 
way beyond me to, to read anything like that. But there's been 17 books post Clancy's death, which is crazy. Like just that <laughs> so far after you, you die, your name is still on these books. And and with that, there's also been 40 Tom Clancy games, including wow. expansions, uh, with three more on the way, Mike. Like there's three Tom Clancy games still on the way. Ubisoft does not let up with these games. Yeah, this is Tom Clancy is one of the the few universes or franchises <laughs> that we've talked about, you know, in on this podcast that is very much alive in every way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is yeah, like you said, current games coming out, you know, the 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 division yes. uh saga, you know, that's that I, in my mind it started way earlier, but that started in 2016. That started after Tom Clancy died. Right. Uh so that is a whole, you know, different series in itself. Today we're going to be talking about the Rainbow Six series, the Ghost Recon series, and the Splinter Cell series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, there's also the Elite Squad series, which is uh, been um, uh, coming out in the last couple of years as well. The one of the new Rainbow Six games just came out a couple of weeks ago. So uh, it's yeah, it's this this world, this Ryanverse, as some people call <laughs> it, uh, is you know very much alive. Very much, and these games have a lot to uh, a lot to thank for online multiplayer. We talked a bunch about online gaming last week and how it was not really possible on the GameCube. It was really on, like you said, on PC and also Xbox in the early 2000s with online coming to consoles slowly but surely. Uh, it just blew this this franchise wide open. I'm not sure if the Tom Clancy name would mean as much as it did in would mean as much as it does in video games without the possibility of online. Uh, it, it's just it was like the original online multiplayer game like Call of Duty is now or Fortnite. These, these are the games that people played together. They'd go on missions and they'd fight each other online. So let's start with talking about the Splinter Cell series, which was actually novelized later on. Like this game is not based on a Tom Clancy book. It was later on turned into a novel between 2004 and 2022. But the games on GameCube uh, start with Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, the original. The game has been released nine times on different consoles and dates in different areas and whatnot. But the GameCube version was released in North America on April 10th, 2003. The game is developed by Ubisoft Montreal, published by Ubisoft. Uh, it's also on Xbox, Windows, PS2, Game Boy Advance, Mobile, Engage, Mac OS, and PS3. Rates a 9 out of 10, priced today at around $20. This is, of course, a stealth game. It was followed up with Splinter Cell Pandora Tomorrow, released on July 20th, 2004. Developed by Ubisoft Milan, uh, published in published by Ubisoft, also on Xbox, Windows, Game Boy Advance, Mobile, PS2, and PS3. This game rates an 8 out of 10, priced today at around $20. All these games are stealth, by the way. Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Chaos Theory was released on March 31st, 2005, developed by Ubisoft Montreal, published again by Ubisoft. It's also on PS2, Xbox, Mobile, Engage, Windows, DS, 3DS, which is weird, and PS3. It rates an 8 out of 10, priced today at around $20. And finally, we had Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Double Agent, released on October 26, 2006, uh, developed by Ubisoft Milan and Ubisoft Shanghai for the for the 360 and PS3, but Ubisoft Montreal made the Xbox, uh, GameCube, PS2, and Wii game. It's published by Ubisoft. Uh, It's also on PS2, Xbox, Windows, Mobile, Xbox 360, PS3, and Wii. Rates a 6 out of 10. Not great. Uh, The Xbox 360 and PS3 version are ranked way higher with like a 9 out of 10. Priced today at around $15. That was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of games to start off there, and of course, we do have a guest on today to talk about these games, and we'll be talking about some other ones too, but to welcome to the show is Marcello from GameCube Galaxy, and we're really excited to have him on today, but before we get into it, Marcello, what was your first, I guess, experience with Tom Clancy games, books, movies, whatever it was? So, first off, thanks for having me back on the show. 
Of course. Um, my first Tom Clancy experience, I would say, was Rainbow Six on the N64. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I remember when that was coming out, I remember reading the Nintendo Power, and they were talking about how it's going to be this realistic military type of game uh, where you die in like two hits, and uh, if, if your teammates die, they're out of the game for good, at least during your playthrough. And it, it was unique, especially for N64. It was ambitious, rather. Um, moving forward, though, when the GameCube came out, my first Tom Clancy game on the GameCube was Splinter Cell 1. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I remember playing, I remember getting the game and I saw a lot of reviews were praising it, but specifically the Xbox version because it came out first on the Xbox and then it got its ports over to the PS2 and GameCube. And I remember the PS2 version had an exclusive level that to this day, even with the HD remaster they did on the PS3 360, did not include that level. So the only way you can play the level they made is only on the PS2, still to this day. Um, but on the GameCube, they utilized the GBA functionality, which I thought was really cool. And I, I thought the idea of playing a stealth game with the GBA connected to it as my radar and actually using it was pretty wild. And obviously optional, but um, it, it was a neat feature. And moving forward, yeah, I played when I saw Pandora tomorrow. Uh, which I thought was really great, an uh, mm-hmm. awesome game. And then I missed Chaos Theory somehow. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's the one that everybody talks about. I know it's a fan favorite in the originals, um, but I think at the time I was still so engrossed in Resident Evil 4 that like anything that came out after January of 2005 up until, gosh, I can't even tell you what after that, um, that was the only game I played. So I know I neglected Chaos Theory, unfortunately. Um, but one day I'll revisit that. And then Double Agent, I did play, and I did play it on the Wii originally, but I knew it was on the GameCube as well. But I, after just getting the Wii, I wanted you know any game for the Wii because I wanted to take advantage of the controls. Had I known how the controls were, I probably would have just got the GameCube version. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny that you mentioned the the GBA like connectivity. Yeah, that was something I had no idea about until I actually you know researched this uh, this series and these games. Because that's such a cool idea, uh, and we talk at length in this podcast about how badly uh, the the Game Boy Advance was used with the uh, with the GameCube. Uh, usually, it's just for like throwaway ideas, but that like having the radar on there is really cool. Yeah, yeah, it it was really cool seeing. For example, if there was like any uh, trip mines, like you could see that on the radar, that would be much harder to see in game. Or um, I think those other functionalities. I'm trying to remember for it too. Uh, and, and you're right, a lot of games at the time. It's almost like they didn't know how to utilize the GBA yeah. yet. It was that introduction to a second screen. Uh, but Ubisoft did a good job with that. I thought that was a fun alternative. Yeah, Ubisoft obviously, you know, publishing all these, developing all of them as well. Red Storm Entertainment, which was Tom Clancy's studio, they did uh, most of the other games like Ghost Recon and in uh, Rainbow Six. And this was uh, this was actually kind of pre-Call of Duty in the sense of, you know, Call of Duty now switches every year between developers, and that's how they keep it an annualized franchise. Well. Tom Clancy did it before them, <laughs> so they were kind of the first ones to create this this annualized um, version of uh, of of the books and of the movies. And of course, Splinter Cell is the that this is the stealth game. You know, this these are the stealth games of the Tom Clancy universe, where a lot of other Tom Clancy games are are more tactical shooters. And for for young Mike, um, Splinter Cell was really cool. Uh, I had friends that hey, had Rainbow, like that played Rainbow Six, and I. For whatever reason, I think my mom thought Splinter Cell was less violent than uh, than Rainbow Six, which in a way I guess is true. It's it's less just going out and killing everybody. So I I get why she was you know more okay with Splinter Cell and me playing 
uh, Splinter Soul, specifically Chaos Theory. It also looked probably a lot like James Bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, of course, I was playing Nightfire constantly. So I was like, okay, this is just another Nightfire. Um, and Splinter Cell in general, uh, we, we did some research on this. Uh, Tom Clancy having, you know, very little involvement in the creation of it. Uh, of course, it was inspired by, you know, the, the stealth games of the time, Metal Gear, uh, Thief, uh, the original Deus Ex. And a lot of Splinter Cell games that came out uh, between 2002-2013, I think it was seven, Neil? Yep, seven Splinter Cell games between 2002 and 2013. So the franchise has been dormant since Tom Clancy passed away, which I find somewhat interesting. It's 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 interesting, though, that like every time an E3 rolls around or Ubisoft has some kind of an announcement, people still kind of cross their fingers that a uh, Splinter Cell game will be announced. I believe that there is rumors that there's a Splinter Cell remaster or a remake or a, uh, like a sequel is in the works somewhere in Toronto. Yes, the, the, the remake, I think, actually was confirmed. Yeah. Um, but that's all we know. Like, I think Ubisoft mm-hmm. finally said, like, oh, it's finally happening. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> it was a random announcement, too. It wasn't even, like, anything during a bigger time, like E3. I mean, I'm hoping come this E3 we'll see something about it. But I'm definitely one of those that every year I'm like, come on, new Splinter Cell, come on. And it's like, it's like, all right, here's Just Dance 2481. <laughs> It's like, oh, great, yeah. more of this. <laughs> I was I was actually reading on the on the Reddits, as you do, uh, for rumors and stuff about how there was talk of a Splinter Cell remake, specifically, I think, Chaos Theory, and IO Interactive was, um, was someone that the Ubisoft reached out to, but they, they couldn't come to a deal because I think IO Interactive wanted to have a lot more say in in the project where ubisoft is ubisoft and obviously they didn't um <laughs> and so io interactive ended up going the james bond route i was gonna say i really hope that james bond and splinter cell the remakes or the the you know the, the new entries in the series don't come out anywhere close to each other I, I, like <laughs> right. they're both spy games they're going to be compared so heavily i'd yes. like them each to have some room to breathe because i want to play both of these games when they eventually come out and if they're out if they're both like you know march 4th 2025 i'm gonna be so mad <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. one thing I do, we, we'll see. Oh, I was going to say the one thing I do at least admire with IO Interactive. Uh, I love the Hitman series of games, but I love how they are stealth games, but they're very much like play it how you want. If you want to go guns blazing, if stuff hits the fan, go for it. If you want to be super stealthy, you, like you could do that too. Whereas I know Splinter Cell is strictly stealth, except for Conviction. I know Conviction was a bit much, more action heavy yeah, yeah which yeah. was cool i liked it but yeah it, it was definitely a change of direction yeah i never played that one it's funny that mike's mom bought it thinking like you know this is a this is a less violent game it, for the most part the tom clancy splinter cell series is very non-violent you can play each of these games without taking out a single person if you want to uh it's funny that the i believe it's chaos theory mike that you mentioned that's the one that introduced the uh like the up close knife that you could use to knock people out so that might be the one where things actually got violent um one thing that I like about the Splinter Cell series that separates itself from the James Bond games are is the um, the dialogue between Sam Fisher and the characters that he interrogates or that he uh, interacts with, like his own team, like Mission Control. Uh, the character is voiced by Michael Ironside. Uh, listeners will know that uh, that actor from like movies like Total Recall and Starship Troopers. Two very uh, influential movies for me when I was a kid. I loved mm-hmm. Michael Ironside when I was when I was young, mm-hmm. and when I heard his voice in in Splinter Cell, I was like, "Oh my god, that's, uh, that's the guy <laughs> from Total Recall. I love that guy. He's like the voice of my childhood from the action movies." So it's really yeah. cool that they brought him on. But uh, there's some really funny dialogue between him, like when he interrogates people and threatens them, they kind of panic. It's really cool. Yeah, they did a good job with the dialogue in this game. Definitely more the whole universe 
the whole Splinter Cell universe feels much more lived in, I think, than some of the James Bond games uh, at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know it is a bit unfair to compare the two because they are quite different. Uh, Splinter Cell 1, especially, I got to say, is is, you know, pretty ahead of its time when it first came out. Uh, The game still looks pretty good for for today the having all the heat mapping and everything uh the just the gameplay elements were were well done in a lot of ways uh i just i I enjoy the series a lot just because of of the stealth of course and uh i always had a lot of fun playing it marcello is uh, of the splinter cell games that you've played which one is your favorite so that's tough because the first one's classic. It, mm-hmm. it was the one that introduced me to the series. I was actually just replaying it a bit uh, before jumping on this podcast. And I, I forgot that the controls were very, a little bit more complex compared to something like Metal Gear Solid, right? It, I remember playing, I remember coming from Metal Gear Solid and playing Splinter Cell Big Wilds. They're radically different stealth games. Yeah. Uh, but I would say. Honestly, I know a lot of people love Pandora Tomorrow, Chaos Theory. I'm going to probably be the black sheep and say that Double Agent for the, even though I played it on the Wii, but but Double <laughs> Agent, the GameCube version, would be my favorite one. Wow, okay, that's that's fair. And I know Double Agent is, we were talking offline about it, it's not canon, is that what you said? So Double Agent for the GameCube and Wii, as well as the PS2 and original Xbox, is canon to the story where conviction starts whereas double agent on the ps3 360 it's almost like a an alternate universe story like so whatever happens in there never carries over whereas conviction clearly starts with like oh yeah that's the stuff that happened in double agent on the wii gamecube like you could see it was ubisoft montreal's take like they continued ubisoft montreal's story right okay that that's rather confusing. That that's something that I'm looking forward to with the the new Splinter Cell game. Is that like back in the 2000s we had Xbox, PS2, and then we were getting into the 360 Wii generation. The Game Boy Advance was still active. The DS was active, and it mm-hmm. it was really difficult on developers to make a cohesive storyline and put and still put the games out on every console. Even though you're going to get a different experience on Game Boy Advance, and you're going to get frankly a lesser experience on GameCube than you will on the Xbox 360. It must have made it really complicated back in the day to know where to buy your multi-platform game like Splinter Cell. And I'm just looking forward to when they put out Splinter Cell in. 2020 whatever that it's just going to be this one game it's going to be on all the consoles maybe not on switch uh but it'll be nice that they can maybe start this franchise again without the confusion of putting out expansions on pc and the better versions on xbox and you get the game boy advance to use it as a uh, as a secondary device for your gamecube version i think it's going to be nice to have it all together in one package well what i think of for like whenever i think of tom clancy especially well more so rainbow six but but even splinter cell is i just think of tom clancy uh associated with xbox you know and almost everyone i knew uh, who had an xbox had multiple tom clancy games and Mm -hmm. that was just you know where you found these games like even in a game store today if you go on a game shelf you'll see a ton of sports games a ton of assassin creed games for the xbox and always a ton of tom clancy games because they were just they sold like hot take hotcakes like they were everywhere yeah that's actually true i never thought of that no, no, it just yeah. was the the Xbox game, uh, which was funny because especially the shooting uh, ones, you know, where GameCube was trying not trying so hard to be the shooter console mm-hmm. uh, with with their uh, with their controller. So I always found that funny. Yeah, it, it's hilarious. I I I find the three. I just want to talk really quick about the the 
the look of, of Sam Fisher. Those three green dots with Triforce the tri, goggles. The Triforce goggles. The uh, they're like the bifocal or they're the trifocal goggles. Sorry, they they give you the ability to uh, to see thermal vision, night vision, and everything. Uh, what do you guys think of Sam Fisher as a video game character? Because I think he's incredibly iconic. Like more so even than some yeah. of the characters that we still see today. Like I think he's more iconic than Master Chief personally. So I I do agree that Sam Fisher is a very iconic character, and I think when it was moving when the series was moving forward and they released Blacklist and they announced that Michael Ironside wasn't going to be voicing him, um, it, it kind of felt like a knife to the back because Sam Fisher is iconic also due to Michael Ironside being mm-hmm. him. Um, but yeah, I, I think like you said, when you see his night vision goggles, you see those three green dots like you in the sound you know it like you know like oh yeah it's sam fisher like it's immediate and and if you can associate something like that so quickly that to me defines a character being iconic Mm -hmm. yeah totally agree exactly i I just love like the like like we said the whistle that the the goggles make when they light up and the game's uh the game's use of light and dark at the time too was really really neat like to sneak around in the shadows eventually they incorporated sound i think you can do a lot with that now with modern controls like controllers can now tell like your heartbeat and everything like that like they're gonna make stealth really interesting i think with new tech and like even vr i'm sure that there's some incredible stuff that they can do there mm-hmm. um even the ps5 controller you know today yeah. it's just it's there's just so much haptic feedback that happens on it even playing some of the demos like the matrix demo that i played on there mm-hmm. uh, that was just so cool and so i one of the first thoughts i had when i was playing the ps5 for the first time was like oh they could really make stealth games cool again, <laughs> like honestly. And I would love to see uh, Splinter Cell on there um, at some point. But yeah, the uh, all the games, honestly, in the the, the uh, trilogy, not trilogy, but the four games. What do you call a, a four game quadrilogy? Quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. Maybe people just call it a saga instead of <laughs> probably <laughs> better <four> games. <laughs> uh, but all all four of the games obviously reviewed quite well. I know Double Agent was uh, the reviews weren't as great because of the uh, basically what Marcello was saying. But um, uh, for me, Chaos Theory. This is where the like the, the series shines so much. Uh, it, it's such a cool, uh, such a cool game. It just takes all the stealth elements that you had in the earlier games or the earlier game and refined on it. And one of my favorite things about Chaos Theory is I'm not sure if you know this, Marcello, but it's one of the few games on GameCube that got a a, a steelbook type release. It's funny as I'm collecting for the GameCube, I keep coming across that. I'm like, should I get it? Since there's really not many steelbook cases, but <laughs> one day I really would would love to get it. And it's it's really cool. It is like a tin case basically. Uh, it was available for PS2, uh, PC, Xbox, and GameCube. And packaged in it was an exclusive G4 making a video. If you remember G4, oh wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Music from the official Chaos Theory soundtrack, uh, development team video diaries, Penny Arcade Spy Training Manual, which was not in the Xbox version. I don't know what that is. Uh, no. So I would love to know about that. And Mega 64 videos about it, if you remember Mega 64. So uh, oh, wow. that is really cool. Um, and I would love to get my hands on that collector's edition. If you look it up as well, listeners, it's a great box art. It's just the three green dots uh, mm-hmm. from uh, from the the trifocals. So it's I love that cover so much. I want it so bad. <laughs> a good friend of mine, he got the collector's edition. Thinking about it now, but I remember when he got it, he called me. He's like, hey, he's like, there's even um, like a little piece of like a slip of paper with the booklet that says like it's a preview for the Splinter Cell movie that was in oh. production. 
we're still waiting on that movie. But, <laughs> but apparently there was, I think there was like a spring 04 or some sort of release. There was a release date on there too, I believe. Oh, wow. But, that's yeah. crazy. Yes. There, that, that, that's kind of like, it is kind of like the white whale of video game movies at this point. The, the Splinter Cell movie has been in the works rumored since 2005. Oh, uh, odds yeah. are this movie will never come out if it's been in development for 17 years. I, I, I I can't imagine the the hatred that that trailer will get if after what nine years we haven't seen a Splinter Cell game, but all of a sudden there's a Splinter Cell movie in theaters. Like I can't imagine I can't imagine the backlash that would get on Reddit and YouTube and everything. That would be really funny. But uh, that that's a cool fact about that Steelbook. The uh, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory actually had a huge uh, marketing budget behind it, so I guess that that explains the the Steelbook that it had a development budget of ten million dollars, and the marketing budget was the exact same. So for a video game, that's crazy, especially back then, back then. Exactly. Like $20 million today is nothing. You can't, you can't make a triple A game on $20 million anymore, but it's just interesting that the marketing budget was the same as the price of the game. The only game I can think of that happening to anytime soon is GTA six. I think that the marketing budget behind GTA six is going to be as big as the development budget. So (sighs) to put that into a Tom Clancy game is crazy to think about. That is crazy. Oh my God. Uh, and also, I wanted to point out Chaos Theory, uh, the first Splinter Cell game to receive an M rating. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because of the knife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is featured in the box art. I love the box art of Chaos Theory. They they, they added a few new things. The enemy AI is also a little bit better in, uh, in Chaos Theory. In previous Splinter Cell games, uh, when you leave an area, the game kind of does like a sweep of the, the room that you were in. And if you, left a, if you left a body out in the light, the alarms would go off. But in this game, a, another patrol officer actually has to find a body. So you have to hide the bodies yourself. And if uh, one of the NPCs find them, that's when the alarm gets triggered. Mm. So there were little tweaks like that that made the game just better than the uh, the predecessors. Yeah, and and even you know Pandora Tomorrow, uh, which came out after Chaos Theory, it came after after right? Okay, yes. uh, uh, no, it came out wait. before Chaos Theory. Before. Oh, it came out before. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, even that game is good. <laughs> <laughs> I always I always get the mixed. I get all those games mixed up because they had such a short release window. You know, they they were coming out sometimes six months between each other. Uh, and yeah. just was the way of gaming at the time as well, right? That you were just and, putting them all out at the same time. And the way of Ubisoft, like by today's standards, they put out Assassin's Creed on an annual basis. Everything is annualized with Ubisoft. Far Cry as well. Like everything comes out on a on a calendar basis. One fun fact about Pandora Tomorrow, though, is that uh, Playboy game gave the game 100%. Thanks, Playboy. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I trust Playboy for all of my gaming reviews. Was there a scene I missed in that game that they <laughs> Dude, it, it's so random. Occasionally, we come across games, and it's always like you know, Metacritic, Nintendo Maxim. Power, all these things, and that Maxim, and then Playboy just rate, rates games randomly. We're we're not too sure. We were too young to read Playboy back then. Speaking of speaking of funny release dates too, uh, there's a quite a few of these Tom Clancy games that are like really close in release dates with each other. And one of my favorites, we're going to be talking about this in a second, is uh, the fact that Splinter Cell and Ghost Recon, and even Ghost Recon Two and Chaos Theory. Uh, we're released within weeks of each other. That's right. Which is just yeah. insane to me. So let's get on to Ghost Recon, Neil. All right. Sounds good. Let's move on to Go- the Ghost Recon series, which was first novelized back in 2008. Uh, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon was first released on PC back in 2001, but the GameCube finally got it in 2003, uh, February 9th, 2003. Developed by Red Storm Entertainment, published by Ubisoft. It's also on Windows, Mac, Xbox, PS2, the N-Gage, the Engage got a lot of Tom Clancy games, <laughs> and a Game Boy Advance was uh, planned but uh, canceled. It rates a six out of ten. 
Uh, priced today at around $10. This is a tactical shooter. And then we had Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon 2, released on March 15th, 2005, also developed by Redstorm Entertainment, published by Ubisoft. This game was only on Xbox and PS2. Rates a 5 out of 10, priced today at around $20. And this is also a tactical shooter. So, Mike, you made a good point that it's released around the same time as the as the Splinter Cell games, but very different genres of games. Yeah, very different genres of games, but still, I mean, it's the Tom Clancy game. Like, it's... Uh, mm-hmm. There's a, you'll probably be buying both for uh, for the most part if you're a Tom Clancy fan. I just thought it was weird that it was released within weeks of each other. Yeah. But this was, you know, hey, we got games released on December 26th, yeah. you know, in, the, in in this era. No one cared about release dates. No, no, no. Back then. It just was complete, like, free-for-all. January 1st? Sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? Just totally fine. But, uh, Marcello, when did you jump in on this series? Did you uh, Did you pick up Ghost Recon 1 back in the day? So I, when I first played Ghost Recon 1, I actually borrowed it from a friend of mine in high school. Uh, and I was I remember back in the day when I popped it in, I remember the reviews weren't great for it. Nintendo Power wasn't too keen on it. GamePro, I think, wasn't too keen, keen on it either, especially coming from the PC version. Uh, but when I popped it on, I'm like, oh, it's like Rainbow Six on the N64. Just slightly better graphics, but still not great graphics for the GameCube. <laughs> yeah, um, right. But I, I enjoyed it. I actually popped it in probably a few months ago again, actually. I was like, you know what? Let me pop this in. It's been a while. I forgot the controls are rough. They're, they're so antiquated. <laughs> but yeah. for what it was, like it was a part of – it was a memory for me for sure. And it was it was a fun game. It was a good tactical shooter. It was – you know, coming from like something like Rainbow Six and the N64, which were a, a nice blend of outdoor and indoor environments, but more on the indoor aspect. Ghost Recon was obviously more just like outdoorsy and like the forest and the jungle. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I really enjoyed the game. I whole, the whole like commanding your squad and everything. Um, I always enjoyed it. It's not a great game, at least not in the GameCube version or the home, home console version in general. But it, it was it's a fun tactical shooter for the console. I'd still recommend to any Tom Clancy fans. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that, too. And for those listening, a, a tactical shooter is different from just a regular third-person shooter kind of game because, like Marcello said, you're commanding uh, your other, I guess, um, uh, troops in the area, and you're basically trying to figure out before the mission starts, you know, how are you going to correctly uh, uh, complete this mission, uh, and then you go about uh, obviously and we've there's only a couple of tactical shooters on the gamecube surprisingly mm-hmm. uh tom clancy ones make up most of them and there's a couple of uh what were the uh desert storm conflict desert storm yeah, conflict, conflict desert, desert storm. storm and then the playstation had socom which i believe is also like a tactical kind of shooter yeah. right mm-hmm. so a lot of lot of uh, competition back in the day unfortunately and this was different than rainbow six i think it had a bit of a difficult time explaining itself because it takes away the kind of the in Rainbow Six, before you start the game, you have like a bit of a you have a bit of time to come up with a strategy for the level. Whereas mm-hmm. in Ghost Recon, you just go in right. There's no pre-planning before each level. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Yeah. So it, yeah, yeah, Rainbow Six, I remember, was much more like pre-planning. I mean, uh, yeah. there is a little bit here, but it's yeah, it's it's not as much as uh, as Rainbow Six for sure. Right. Now, two things I just want to add. First of the pre-planning, I'll be honest. Have any of you guys ever done the pre-planning or did you get to the point where it's like, oh, you know what? We're, no. we're, we're going to just do it live. Let's, let's just go. We got yeah. this. Do it live. Mike, I mean, mics I, are I on. Like, yeah, let's go. I feel like if I was if I was older at the time, I probably would have like thought about it more if it was a new game. Like I could see my dad. If my dad had picked up uh, Rainbow Six, you know, he would have thought a lot beforehand of like how to approach the battle. But like, you know, 
twelve year old Mike was just like, "Let's go!" Yeah, <laughs> I was I was playing Rainbow Six Three before this get before doing this episode. And I didn't do any planning. I was like, "Whatever, I got a gun. I got three guys on my team. This is this is what I'm doing. I got my my rifleman here. I got like that. They, they have no health at all because, like you said, Barcello, it's very much like a one hit, two hit kill kind of game. So way less spongy than like a Call of Duty game where you can get shot all day and not die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> One interesting thing about uh, Ghost Recon, though, is that uh, this game actually somewhat predicted the future. Did you guys hear about this? That the yeah, no, I, I I remember this yeah. because it's all about uh, like Russia's invasion of Georgia, right. kinda. It's like the the Caucasus regions uh, and all the stuff that's happening there. And you know, this was two thousand one, I guess. And so uh, when the war happened in two thousand eight, when Russia invaded Georgia, it was you know very similar mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, actually, I think Splinter Cell was the mission I was doing. Splinter Cell was about Russians going after Georgia too. So, I guess Tom Clancy just had a thing for. Well, he couldn't talk about Soviet Union anymore, so he's like, <laughs> "Well, let's just use Russia against other Soviet Union places yeah. and uh, make it." You know, it was basically just taking his Cold War ideas and sensibilities and really just bring it into present day. Uh, I mean, it worked really well for him in the early nineties with the Gulf war and everything mm-hmm. like that as well. So uh, he's always been a, you know really good at drawing from uh, obviously history and being honestly like almost being able to predict what's going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, it's kind of, that's a, why his books are interesting. That's a weird <laughs> skill to have to be able to predict global <laughs> conflict. That's, that's yeah. kind of messed up. Well, just history repeating itself usually. Right. Basically. So, and if you're a military historian, you can, uh, like he was, uh, and, and how he wrote, it wasn't too hard, but, uh, True. yeah. Um, and quickly, the other thing I wanted to bring up too, was about ghost recon two. It actually did get a GameCube release. Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, ghost recon two March, 2005. Um, did you play this game? So I, only saw trailers for it back on a. It was actually on a GameCube preview DVD disc I have. <laughs> oh, cool. uh, yes. Yeah. Um, I love but I remember the one thing that caught my attention, even though I never got around to playing it yet, was I believe it was. I mean, it was Redstone Entertainment's first take with a third-person perspective. Okay. Mm-hmm. So coming from like Rainbow Six and Ghost Recon One, and then even some of All Fears, um, this was the first time you actually were over the shoulder with the characters and i think that was a pretty pretty drastic dynamic to change coming from first person tactical shooter to third person for a tom clancy game that was not splinter cell yeah it would it would have been quite drastic and uh, unfortunately the reviews for it didn't you know it didn't like that change Mm -hmm. uh they were usually around the five uh, five out of tens is six out of tens Ooh, yeah. uh, same with ghost recon two or ghost recon one uh and i you know i i i did my research on this played a little bit of it too and, and you're right stiff controls for sure for both of them uh and the graphics especially like ghost recon two the graphics aren't good and no. this is you know this is after uh chaos theory at this point which which has you know pretty crisp graphics mm-hmm. and all i can think of is the fact that maybe red storm entertainment which is tom clancy's dev uh, team maybe they didn't have the resources or something to make this as good as ubisoft montreal and milan were doing mm-hmm. you know i honestly don't know that's probably a good be. point that's probably what it was like ubisoft had the development behind it red storm didn't and you can tell you can tell a definitely a huge quality dip between ghost recon and uh, splinter cell other than other than that like is there anything else that that you, you or is there any other reasons, Marcello, you think why these games rated worse or a lot worse than Splinter Cell? Um, I can see a variety of reasons. One is probably 
people probably uh, the reviewers probably played it on PC prior to the console versions, and oh. that was at a time when the PC version versus the home console version would be pretty drastic in quality yeah. difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes totally different versions, but usually if it was a port from the PC version, like Ghost Recon was, like there was a lot of concessions made to make that work on the GameCube for sure. <laughs> like it was playable, but right. But there's even differences between the console versions. Like the PS2 and the GameCube version take place in 2007. The Xbox version takes place in 2011. If I read that correctly, like, <laughs> it, like they're completely different stories. Between the, the it's it's as if like they they made the PC and the Xbox version for like the real players or something like that. They put way more effort into the Xbox and the PC version, the consoles that could competently could connect to the internet, and then they just left the PS2 and the GameCube versions together, probably because it was easier to port between the two. But it was so strange how many Tom Clancy games were so different on Xbox and PC compared to yep. the PS2 and, and GameCube and the end Because that's where people bought them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it, but like, yeah, like I said, like Xbox is where I associate Tom Clancy and yeah. especially tactical shooters. Like that was PC's domain. Right. Like t- a tactical shooter on a, on a console was a pretty, you know, novel idea at this point. Mm-hmm. So that's the other reason I think. And of course the... The online capabilities is what it really made this game fun uh, for playing a, a Ghost Recon 1, especially on the Xbox. Uh, without that, I know, you know, other consoles reviews suffered a lot. Yeah, I agree with that part, too, because I'll be honest, the GameCube version, I only played the campaign. I right. believe those are like a competitive multiplayer. I know those are split screen multi, uh, co-op for the campaign. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I can't think of any multiplayer aspects of it that I played or even... I know Splinter Cell, I think it was Pandora Tomorrow, had the online connectivity for the Xbox and PS2 with the Spies versus Mercenaries game mode. Oh, and, cool. and the GameCube completely omitted that because there was no online. Well, I'm sorry, there was online, but they just <laughs> didn't do anything with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but luckily, I know they ended up adding the split screen co op and going back to Splinter Cell for a moment uh, with Chaos Theory and Double Agent. That was a separate campaign, actually, if I remember correctly. Yeah, with Double Agent, I believe it is. I I don't really know if it was for Chaos Theory because in my mind, um, it was the same. But like, I don't know, when you're a kid, everything is new and like, wow, this is cool. So uh, it might have been different. I honestly don't know. If it was different, it wasn't insanely different now. Well, well I, I'll remember this too. One of the memories I have, because I actually completed the co-op campaign of Double Agent uh, nice. with a buddy of mine. Uh, playing on the Wii, both of us. So now here we are, both nunchuck and we both love the Wii back in the day. Oh man, (laughs) (laughs) I was a glutton for punishment. Oh Uh, (laughs) jeez. So you know, joking aside, but I mean, I still enjoyed it on there. But I remember playing the co-op and like, oh my god, this is kind of a neat idea. And I remember there was one point where like I remember he dropped down on a like out of a shaft and he was on the ground and he was crouched and then I dropped out of the shaft and he died. And he's like, what the hell? He's like, what happened? I'm like, I don't know. I said, I just landed on top of you. We tested it again. I'm like, wait, you can kill each other by jumping on each other's heads. They put a Mario (laughs) mechanic into (laughs) Splinter Cell Co-op. Wow. (laughs) That's insane. If you you guys ever never tried it yet, go ahead. Try it. You'll laugh your ass off on that one. Neil, that's Still? another. Uh, that's, that'll be another one to play on the uh, extra life. Oh god, I'm getting I'm getting more and more nervous about November every episode that we do. I, 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 now, are stealth games played co-op? Is that fun? Like, I can understand in Ghost Recon, a game that's a tactical shooter where you're working together, you're talking with friends. I can't imagine like a sneaky game being being fun online or with a friend. 
I don't know. I, I don't so. remember. I, I think just, it was fine. Like anytime I I again, when you're a kid. Yeah, when you're a kid, everything's fine. So yeah, I guess that's true <laughs> for the most part. But uh, uh, Marcello, if, is there anything else about Tom Clancy and all these different games you'd like to say before we let you go? Um, honestly, just the fact that there were definitely some quality games between the Splinter Cell series and the GameCube, and you know. Rainbow, the Rainbow Six games I never got around to playing on the GameCube, unfortunately. Uh, at least not yet. But definitely still ones I want to revisit. And Ghost Recon, mm-hmm. I mean, I know it didn't do well critically, but it's a game I would still replay, at least the first one. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. On, the, on the plus side, you're not missing much with the with the missing uh, Rainbow Six on GameCube. And if you ever want to swing back and pick them up, they're all 20 bucks or less. So Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And of course, you have the amazing channel, uh, GameCube Galaxy, on YouTube. So please uh, plug. uh, This is your chance to plug whatever you're working on right now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, thank you for mentioning that. So I do have that channel, GameCube Galaxy. Uh, It covers anything and everything GameCube related. I've been doing weekly content for a while now, but starting uh, at this moment, actually, I haven't done this video yet. So this is the first announcement. I'm going to be moving my videos to once every two weeks. But I try to do very content-filled episodes with a higher quality than what you're, what's been on YouTube for the GameCube, if anything, really at all. Yep. Um, <laughs> we know. We've looked for it. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, like, just this past Sunday, I released an episode co- uh, covering every Sonic the Hedgehog GameCube game made, yes. including wow. the two compilations, nice. and as, as well as Shadow the Hedgehog, because that technically still counts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm working on a variety of other episodes. I've got a actually a new video I'm working on is a video response about my top 10 memorable games. Ooh. But I'm tweaking it so that it's going to be my top 10 memorable games for the GameCube. It won't right. be for multiple platforms. And it's actually going to be covering more stories of why those games are memorable, not necessarily like the best games, but just the games that I have stories to share with. So it might be a kind of a different fun take to do covering uh, those games. Yeah, we'd love to hear that one. That'd be really interesting for us. It's, yeah. It's great to come up with new ideas. Otherwise, you're just going to get the same top 10 GameCube game videos, which is Resident Evil <laughs> 4, Metroid Prime, Wind Waker, <laughs> Smash Bros, Double Dash, Sunshine. We know. We get it. And Charlie's Angels. And Charlie's <laughs> Angels, of course. Showing up number nine, Charlie's Angels. Got to have Listen, it in there. If that wasn't number one on the best <laughs> game, I mean, come on now. Wait, wait, that is the game. That is the game. Uh, not as good as Shamu's Great Adventure, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Marcello, thank you very much for joining us once again. I'm sure we will be on. I, I'm sure you will be on many times after this. Uh, but we love to have you on for uh, for Ghost Recon and Splinter Cell, uh, some series that we know a bit about, but clearly you got to play a lot back in the day. And thank you for playing them again to uh, to do a little bit of research before the episode. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys for having me on again. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you, and uh, we look forward to having you back on again, hopefully real soon. Real Sounds soon. good. Thank you All guys. Right. Take care. Bye. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you very much, Marcello, for coming on. GameCube Galaxy, great mm-hmm. channel. Of course, uh, basically does what we do, So, <laughs> uh, but on YouTube. So if you like us, you'll like watching his videos. Uh, but yeah, I, it's always good to have someone on to talk about some of these games because there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. There's so many Tom Clancy games. I did not have the chance in my youth or today to play them all. So I like that we can have people on who actually know these games a little bit better than us. Definitely. And it's it's great to see that these games did not die on the GameCube. I would have been really sad to, if we had to talk another week about games that haven't lived since 2000 and, uh, 2004. So uh, I'm glad to, uh, other than, I guess, uh, Splinter Cell, unfortunately, but uh, Ghost Recon still coming out. Tom Clancy still doing good stuff, even from Beyond the Grave. And I'm <laughs> 
I'm glad to see that uh, people out there are still enjoying games from the past and games to come. But with that, Mike, I think we need to talk about some more games from the past. So why don't we introduce our next callers to the show? Okay, and joining us today, Neil, our second guests, the second and third guests of the show, we have Dave and Mike from the Back in My Day podcast, a great podcast that Neil and I both love. Uh, gentlemen, how are you today? Hanging in there, you know, hanging in there, doing all right. <laughs> right on. <laughs> yep, same, doing great, doing great. And of course, I want to ask you guys the first question here, uh, which is what got you into the Tom Clancy universe? You know, what what was your first experience with Tom Clancy? We'll go with Dave first on this one. I, I find it hard to believe that it wasn't Splinter Cell, the first one, because mm. uh, I don't actually really remember being all that familiar with, uh, with Tom Clancy in any games or movies or any of that stuff before that, because I think I would have been just a touch too young, but I do remember purchasing and playing the heck out of that first uh, Splinter Cell game from day one. So I, I'm going to go with that. If I remember later, if it was something else, I'll let you yeah. know, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was that first Splinter Cell game. Yeah, I think there was one Tom Clancy game on N64. I think uh, the original Rainbow Six. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the Tom Clancy games are really, to me, they're really defining of this, the GameCube, the PlayStation to the Xbox console generation, because you know, not a lot of Tom Clancy games before, just one on the N64. And then all of a sudden you have tons of Tom Clancy games in this generation. Uh, you have Marvel Splinter Cells, you have the Ghost Recons. So my first my first game uh, for Tom Clancy was also Splinter Cell. And yeah, so I had the GameCube, I rented the Splinter Cell games, but I always, I always do associate Splinter Cell with more of an Xbox game, to be honest, even though it is on all of the, <laughs> on all the consoles. But yeah, my friend had an Xbox and then I rented a few times for GameCube. And yeah, so it would be Splinter Cell for me too, for sure. Those first three Splinter Cells, um, I played more than probably any other <laughs> Tom Clancy games combined. Like you, you could you could go down the list of 25 Tom Clancy games and those three Splinter Cell ones were the ones that I played the most, for sure. Yeah, so Tom Clancy, the Splinter Cell uh, Chaos Theory, that one did introduce the two players simultaneous. So you could go through the campaign uh, co-op. Which yeah, is really cool. That's that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, I think I think of Fred. We never had any online capability at the time. We just dial up internet. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so I, you couldn't actually plug in your your systems to make that work, especially yeah. on the Xbox, which is what I had. But uh, but I do remember playing through part of that game multiplayer too, which was just at the time just awesome. Like such yeah. a cool thing to be able to do. Oh yeah, and it, even though it was like a stealth game, and Neil said earlier, like you know how fun is it to play multiplayer when it's a stealth game you know it, rather than just a full-out shooter and for me i i remember playing this co-op like playing the missions co-op but i i had fun i think it's funny stealth multiplayer because you could get some uh, arguments with your friend there <laughs> yeah. more than any other kind of multiplayer like uh people like playing this game different styles too right some people don't like to go the full stealth some do so imagine you're like a guy wanted to go stealth and your friends running in there could like guns blazing could make some funny <laughs> some funny moments but yeah it's uh i did play all these first winter cell games and i actually don't they all kind of blur together in my mind yes. in one memory that's hard to differentiate them but um I, yeah I, I think i more watched my friend play and we would take turns than we ever actually played the multiplayer sure 
There are slight differences between each of the Splinter Cell games. They all introduced something new. Chaos Theory specifically introduced the uh, like the close combat knife that you could kill characters with if you wanted to. Uh, there's also like smarter AI in Chaos Theory. Um, it also introduced ragdoll physics, which became really popular in the seventh generation, especially with I think it was Skate was the game, and that's basically like when your when your character dies or gets knocked out, they they basically go limp and flip all over the place, which caused like a lot of entertainment uh, in video games when they introduced ragdoll oh, yeah. physics over death animations. Like when you think of something like Goldeneye, when the characters die, they hold their leg or they, they fall down. This one was kind of just the characters go limp and fly all, all over the place, which is hilarious. Yeah. That yes. always creates those, like the, uh, a gif of something at this point <laughs> yes. and all those kinds of things that <laughs> have sort of developed since then. Right. That's kind of what that is. And you exactly. get, you get all that stuff even now, even though the technology is, is so far advanced, from what it was 20 years ago when these games first came out you know you get ragdoll physics and clipping and all that stuff while we're playing you know halo which me and mike have been playing a decent amount recently like you know you, you get killed and all of a sudden your guy's got his head in the ceiling and his body's flopping all over the place you got that in a game that was even 20 years ago so in yeah. a way these games were ahead of their time yeah the yes. physics engine entertainment was was really cool and still is like breath of the wild or something when you get to play around with what the game can do it's yeah, it's incredible. It's really fun to play with, for sure. And we would never have the goat simulator if it wasn't for these advances <laughs> in uh, ragdoll physics. I was thinking about that, too. I didn't want to say anything, but yeah, the goat simulator as well. <laughs> and, and, you know, these are all stealth games, obviously, like we said. Did you guys play stealth games before the Splinter Cell series? Oh, that's a mm. good question. Um, I'm sure there was something out there, but I think it really brought forward, like how deep you could get with stealth because i remember some of the big selling points especially for the first one was the lighting right mm. so it was like a huge selling point that mm. you know you'd be in the dark but you'd really have to avoid the light not just because you know you're playing a vr mission in um in metal gear and they just happen to see you and you hear an alert sound go off when someone spots mm. you it's because that was just part of the gameplay and everything and i think I don't know that there was there was anything that I had that was stealth because before that was very much platformer multiplayer. You know, I was an N sixty four kid, so I honestly can't think of anything. So that's a that's a really good point. I never thought of that. The only one I could think of was uh, especially thinking of the uh, the lighting, like hiding in the shadows and whatnot. Eventually, Splinter Cell did introduce the sound, like sneaking around silently. But the original Spider Man game, based on the movie, I don't know if you guys ever played that game, but yeah. you, yes. you'd have to sneak around in the shadows in that game too, and you could be like inches away from an NPC. But if you were in the shadow, they couldn't see you. Like I thought about that as soon as I read about the Splinter Cell. That is kind of like a stealth a stealth mechanic in the Spider Man. Yeah, game. that's true. I played that game, so I was gonna say no, but maybe. But I was gonna say Metal Gear, uh, it's sort of. Yeah, a I guess Metal Gear. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But Dave mentioned the lighting. I think what's cool about I said how these uh, these Tom Clancy games sort of define this console generation. And Dave's right. The lighting was the biggest dif was a big big difference. Not the biggest difference. Obviously, the graphics are better. But moving from M sixty four to GameCube, the big and the that generation, the big thing was the lighting they were able to add to the games. And this game almost used lighting as like a gameplay mechanic. Yep. And so it just right. wasn't possible to do that before. So it it was one of those like landmark games. You remember playing at a friend's house. I remember it feeling like a totally new thing and a totally new kind of game. And that doesn't happen, you know, every year. That's sort of an exciting thing when it happens. And I can see how these games kind of took off and became almost like yearly releases because they kind of were doing something different. So yeah, that's to me it sticks out as like the you know the OG stealth game really. 
right that's for me too especially chaos theory i think is like the stealth game to play like if i if people ask me you know what's the best best stealth game to play today uh deus ex is one that i always go back to is one of my favorites but human revolution it's just like a amazing game an amazing way to take a take that version of it and bring it into modern day where you can choose whether you want to go full stealth or you want to kill everybody and that's you know i think of of chaos theory as you know, an early Deus Ex in that sense, or early human revolution in that sense. But I think even better in a lot of aspects, like the, you guys are absolutely right with the shadows and lighting, because if you've never played GameCube or like that generation before, you have to remember all these games are super dark and you can't see anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's one of the big problems with yeah. this generation, but Chaos Theory playing it this week, I was like, oh my God, like the, the, the lighting makes a difference. Like I can actually see certain things i'm supposed to see not everything is complete black not everything is complete light like there's they took a lot of time you know making sure that the shadows and the lighting was correct uh, the game i think of to compare this to actually is luigi's mansion that's one mm. of the few ones <laughs> that did the shadow you know correctly and because you know N- nintendo obviously it's their game so they had access to the hardware i knew how to actually properly manipulate it but even chaos theory on the gamecube that does it really well yeah, I remember. Um, I want to say it was it was Chaos Theory, maybe, but they all kind of did this. Even just like I, I think you guys just mentioned, like the graphical upgrade from generation to generation. Like these were, I, th- I think it's the Crisis series was like this big, you know, Deadpool thing for PCs when they were coming out to say like, can your can your PC run the Crisis, the new Crisis game? <laughs> these were kind of like obviously the console could run it, otherwise they wouldn't be able to develop it. But it was. <laughs> It was like this amazing thing that they could bring these graphics and lighting to life like this. I remember playing, I, th- I think it was Chaos Theory, this one specifically, where it was raining in one of the levels. And I'm like showing my brother or my cousin, like, look at the rain dripping off him. Look how it like goes down <laughs> yeah. the tent. Look at like those things. And then the light bouncing off of it. It was something that I never saw before. And I think that is why these games also stand out so much as they feel like they were such a big step forward and we're doing things that a lot of other flashy games didn't yeah and that's kind of why i like stealth games in general is because you don't have to be bombastic to be good and i, I appreciate that and when when it comes to any kind of stealth but that's one of the uh the fears that i have with splinter cell coming back there is a remake in development currently here in toronto actually so not far from where we're sitting right now there's a splinter cell being made and like light light effects and rain effects and everything like that are just kind of expected nowadays in AAA games like you expect that the game is going to look great it's going to sound great the voice acting is going to be on par with an oscar award-winning movie so what do you guys think that they can do to make a splinter cell pop in 2022 because you, you don't have that graphical upgrade you know, any more that you can jump to. So what can they do to make this series stand out again? Well, I think that for myself, I played the Resident Evil 2 remake. Okay. And I didn't play a ton of the original. I did play it, but I never definitely didn't finish it or any of that. Resident Evil was something I played a lot more later, but that's a good example of a game that is very similar or similar enough anyway to the original, but really uses upgraded hardware and systems as well it kind of does like this balance of old controls and new controls and and, you know new mechanics and old mechanics and really makes you know resident evil has a certain feel of you having to stop and shoot and all those types of things which splinter cell doesn't but i think if there's 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 a middle ground that you can that you can get to as far as the gameplay goes and as far as it looks 
I mean, honestly, like any, even if it wasn't a remake, just a new Splinter Cell game gets me excited because of what I remember of everything we were just talking about by the way they, they looked and sounded. That's fine. Give me an upgraded version of that. That's, that's all I need. I mean, I'm, I'm probably in for whatever they do for this game that comes up, honestly. <laughs> it's funny that you compare Splinter Cell to uh, to Resident Evil, because for me, stealth games, I think I said this back on our Hitman 2 episode, but stealth games are very survival horror-esque. Like, they have roots in the same kind of... They both give you the same feeling where your heart is elevated, you're, you're sneaking around, not a zombie in this case, you're sneaking around a guard or a security guard or a police officer or whatever it is. Like, it's just, there's limited ammo, maybe your health isn't great, it's dark, it's raining, you're trying to be quiet, you're trying to be in the shadows. Like, I was playing Rainbow Six, and that's not even a stealth game, but I was, I was in my night vision goggles, like, sneaking around people in this basement. It felt like something out of Resident Evil 7, and I was like, damn, this is basically a survival horror game. That's a good point. It, it, that is such a good point. All right, yeah. I, I, I'll give you my idea if you okay. need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. New Splinter Cell game. <laughs> if, if they're listening, if they want to hire me after this, they can. You know, this will be like a job interview. I think they have to lean into the stealth, right? Don't make it a shooter game or, or cover shooter game like Gears of War or something. Sure. But I think it should have like these big levels, right? But there should be multiple and an objective. But there should be like multiple almost infinite ways that you can like beat the level you know, almost like like hitman. hitman game yeah the new hitman game or breath of the wild kind of like there's no right yeah. way to do it but there's tons of like vents or doors or this staircase and the level's just big enough and the ai is just smart enough that it's never feels the same it's so easy to say it because like obviously coding this would be a nightmare but like where it, every time you go in, it's never ne- the same twice. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's kind of, like, with the technology now, with how games are, that's kind of what I would expect out of a Splinter Cell game. Because they are very, like, direct to you kind of in the old games, right? They're very, like, yeah. non-open world. And there's, like, an order of things, usually, where I think they could sort of bring it to the next generation by saying, like, there is no right order, and there's like almost infinite or hundreds of different ways you could sneak around to your objective. Um that, yeah, pr- procedurally generated Splinter Cell. I'm in, man. You got me. <laughs> no, man's le- no Man's Sky Splinter Cell. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Oh, baby. Before we move on to Ghost Recon, I need to ask the billion-dollar question. In this Splinter Cell remake, is Michael Ironside back voicing Sam Fisher? He's, for, for record, he's 72 years old. Yeah, but his voice still works. His voice definitely. He's got an iconic voice. <laughs> we're we're, we're talking... We were talking about this with GameCube Galaxy. He, he's like the one of the voices of my childhood, just from uh, Total Recall and uh, Starship Troopers. He's got such an amazing voice. I hope he still has it. I haven't seen him in anything in a long time, but would love to have him back in uh, as Sam Fisher one more time at least. I did want to say uh, before uh, we move on, there's so many great weapons in the Tom Clancy series, and one of my favorites in the Splinter Cell series specifically is the 5.7 SC pistol. I'm not sure if you remember... That one. So it's the laser pointer that was in Pandora Tomorrow, which is the one before Chaos Theory. Um, it's got a new feature in it, the OCP optically channeled potentiator. So when you fire it at laptops or or, or computers or whatever, it disables them, uh, and basically it it shows a blue screen of death whenever you attack computer towers. And I remember oh, doing I remember that, that as a kid, just what? thinking like, this is so like, I can like just destroy computers. This is so much fun. <laughs> I don't know why I, I enjoyed that so much. And I still remember it. And every time I see like, um, you know, a computer with ha- with a blue screen of death or something is going wrong with a computer, I just get 
uh, Chaos Theory flashbacks. You, you just think <laughs> Sam Fisher's over your yeah. shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah every He's time. hanging out the vent above you. Like. But ima- imagine what you can do with that with like today's tech. Like everybody has cell phones and like AirPods in their ears. Like you could point like your like your point your gun at someone's cell phone, and then like all of a sudden like something the phone starts ringing or it like displays porn on their phone or something like like just something fu- <laughs> just something or like their headphones like all of a sudden start blasting like a disturbed song or something like that. Like, just like something like that. Stop like, trying to bring disturbed back. <laughs> This is the second time this episode you've talked about disturbed. No, like you could you could do so much with like modern day tech. Like, you He's know, just spreading a music. Like I would have chosen some terrible music to like troll someone, but you know you're picking some good music. I'm here. spreading the sickness, man. I'm down with the sickness. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, nice. But before we let you guys go, let's talk a little bit just about Ghost Recon that series. So we talked earlier about Ghost Recon and how it critically isn't as well received as the Splinter Cell series. Uh, and for you guys, what are your memories of it? Do you remember enjoying these games? I specifically know I rented them and I did not enjoy them. <laughs> but I will I will say, I think when I hear, you know, a Tom Clancy game, I think, you know, it does come with a certain amount of quality, I think. And it also comes with like realism, you know, it's going to be that realistic shooter. Mm-hmm. The guns are all going to be based in reality and, and, and all that. And I think that's what you're getting. And that's not really my cup of tea for most games. So Splinter Cell, it was so good that it was able to still enjoy it just because of, of the gameplay and everything. But like not really always been a huge fan of the like super realistic shooters. So I don't mm. know that this game is... And plus, you know, not reviewed well, not really for me. I found it confusing. I remember renting it once and just being like, don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember if it was the first or the second one, but I had, I had a couple friends of mine that had... Um, had them on GameCube, so we went over and we and we would play the multiplayer. And I believe you could do it's like a free for all, I think it was, and you could play up to four people. And I had one friend that was just insane at it. Like it was not even a competition. It was like, I don't want to play this game because you're just gonna mop the floor with us every oh my single God. time. <laughs> oh, man. I just remember this guy is just gonna kill us, like literally in this game. And it and we're just gonna spend half the time respawning like what's the point and and i don't i i I don't remember being that good at it but i do think i'm decent at video games so my (laughs) my 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 biggest memory unfortunately of the first couple ghost recons is just getting mopped in multiplayer well at the at the time we didn't know what these tactical shooters these these like strategy tactical shooters were like we were used to playing medal of honor and call of duty and james bond which were just Mm -hmm. basic running gun shooters where you collect ammo and health packs and you kill the enemy and that's it but this one you have to control your squad of three to four other guys and you need to pick if you want a sniper if you want a machine gunner if you want a tanker like you need to really strategize what you're going to do before in rainbow six you strategize what you want to do before you go in this one's more like a fly by the seat of your pants strategy at the last minute almost like you're playing a football game but you can't talk to any of the other players so it's definitely it was definitely like not the first of its kind, but the first of its kind on uh, a console uh, for us. So understandable that you didn't know exactly what to do right away. Ghost Recon 2 specifically got really bad ratings, so much so that Nintendo Power, of all places, uh, only gave it a 2.7 out of 5. And Nintendo Power mm. is not a ratings magazine. It was a advertisement for Nintendo games. Right. So <laughs> the, whenever it gave anything lower than a 3, that meant like it was not a good game. Yeah. That's for sure the one I rented. And I know the game's also, um, I know it's GameCube podcast, so it might be blasphemy to say, but I don't think they played the best on the GameCube of, no, all, no. of all the places to play them. Yeah. And and the weird thing with Ghost Recon 2 as well is the, the fact that it was, you know, it's a third-person shooter, very much just 
look like a, a a standard Call of Duty or Medal of Honor game at the time. It, it didn't. It seemed to not want to innovate at all. It just wanted to do what what everyone else was doing, and um, mm-hmm. that was really too bad because, like you said, Tom Clancy, the name itself lends itself to a lot of quality games. You know, think of the Splinter Cell series; they're all relatively good. The Rainbow Six series, like we're going to talk about that mm-hmm. later, how those games were everywhere. Everyone played those games, and mm-hmm. and it was just. Uh, synonymous with with shoot like good shooters so well and it's the longest running series or franchise yeah. at this point right <laughs> under that name so yeah, like, yeah we just got one that came out a couple weeks ago right so it's um yeah yep. the, the tom clancy name lives on forever you know the most iconic thing out of all these games again sorry to bring up splinter cell again I keep going <laughs> but it's gotta be it's gotta be the sound of the pistol the little you know when you mm-hmm. when you shoot someone or when you knock someone out or of course the sound of him putting on the goggles, yeah, and and that sort of wind up high pitch noise yeah. is just like insanely. All you have to do is hear that, and if you have any experience with any of these games around this time, regardless of what you played it on, that that's where you go. You go to these mm-hmm. games, and I just I don't know. I just I just want to hear that sound again in the updated version. That's it. That's all yeah. I need. Just... Give me, give me a green goggles simulator. I'm good to go. Ooh. That'd be really cool. That'd be a great pre-order bonus, actually. Give me a goggles that make it look like like walk into a bank with those on. You'll get shot on site. They they had those. They had those in one of the games from I want to say six or seven years ago or something that you could oh, actually wow. purchase replicas of them. Yeah, I think they. I mean, they were probably hundreds of dollars, and did I'm they sure work? they worked. I think no. They, I think they actually did work. I'm not sure how Whoa. great they worked, but I do remember seeing. A decent amount of YouTube videos of people saying, I got it, I got it. So they exist. Wow. Interesting that you say that because so originally Tom Clancy rejected the idea of Sam Fisher having these goggles because um, they have obviously thermal vision and night vision because he said that they were impossible to make. And the creators argued that having two separate sets of goggles would have made for awkward gameplay. And so they convinced Clancy to allow it. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. So that's the level of realism that they like kind of want to bring to the games yeah right? like right like, so there's no uh heat vision night vision two in one goggle in the real world that can't exist right it would be too big or something but, but they, they couldn't exist at the time but they're actually no longer fictional in 2004 uh they, they had been produced the device called the fused multispectral weapon site the fmws is capable of combining thermal and intensified imaging for military organizations so these goggles they might not look like sam fisher set but they do exist <laughs> Oh my god, it's like a 20,000 leagues, you know, be the yeah. sea kind of thing. Like, they kind of, like, predicted this technology, you know, that's yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. cool. Cool stuff, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, thank you guys for coming on today. We really appreciate your your memories and, and facts and everything about the Tom Clancy world, the Ryanverse, as some call it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'll give you guys this chance to plug your fantastic podcast. Mike, that's usually your uh, your task. Yeah, okay, I'll do it. All right, so you can find us uh, on social media at Day Back In. So at Day Back In. And uh, the podcast is called Back In My Day. And find us on basically any podcast app. And we have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Back In My Day. Uh, check us out there. Yeah, new Patreon, but we're we're building on it. We're building on it. Lots of like nice. extra content. We went through all the Book of Boba Fett episodes. So that's some of the most recent stuff. So 
you can listen to us ramble about that as well. And on top of all the old video games and movies we talk about. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was listening to that Book of Boba Fett episode because I I just watched the series as well, and I was looking for some some uh, people that I recognize to talk about it. Just because I've only I've just been talking about it with my girlfriend for the last two months or whatever it's been. I think she's sick of me talking about it. So I was like, I need to hear some familiar friends talk about this show and uh, hear what they had to say. So I love that episode. It's a long one too. I think you guys chatted for like two hours about the whole series. Yeah, we, we uh, like I said, we talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Podcasting's perfect for you then. We're blowhards, for sure. <laughs> well, thank you guys again. Uh, it was a great time having you on as always, and uh, we look forward to seeing you real soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. I look forward to having you on our podcast very soon, too. Ooh, spoiler alert. Ooh, <laughs> that's what we call a plug and a tease. <laughs> All right. See you guys later. What nice young men. What nice young men. Thank you very much, Mike and Dave, for coming on, talking about uh, this, the Tom Clancy series, Splinter Cell specifically, which is really what I wanted to talk about most in this episode anyway. So I'm glad we got yeah. to talk about it so much because the Splinter Cell series is so good, specifically Chaos Theory for me and, well, for everyone, it seems like. Uh, just a fantastic game, great series, and Tom Clancy um from from the grave still doing great things yeah yeah no definitely i i love splinter cell and uh it's it's too bad that the quality couldn't have uh moved on to the other franchises as well it seems like ghost Mm -hmm. recon and rainbow six is still around which is great it's just i don't know why they left the most popular one behind it's so strange but it is so strange yeah but uh uh, thank you very much uh uh, back in my day great podcast please check Mm -hmm. them out and yeah like they said we'll be on there soon at some yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, local guy. We should probably meet them in person at some point. They're so close. Like, they live in Toronto with us, so I don't know why we no, no, haven't no. met them. Maybe in the we summertime. We have to we'll... keep the illusion up, Neil. What illusion? <laughs> <laughs> the illusion that, you know, we're cool guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't we, we, we do not do other people's. We, we only headline our own shows. Okay, fair enough. But, Mike, with that, let's move on to the last couple games of the day, starting with the Rainbow Six series, which is based on the 1998 novel of the same name, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Three squad-based counter-terror was released on june 16th 2004 it's developed by ubisoft montreal and ubisoft shanghai published by ubisoft it's also on ps2 and xbox rates a 7 out of 10 priced today at around 10 dollars. we also had tom clancy's rainbow six lockdown released on june 9th 2005 developed by red storm entertainment published by ubisoft this game was also on ps2 xbox and windows uh, it's also on mobile phone rates a 7 out of 10 priced today at around 15 dollars so we had two Rainbow Six games on the GameCube, Mike, and uh, just like the other two games, I really do associate these games with Xbox. Yeah, that's 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 the same for me, especially Rainbow Six 3. I remember when this came out, uh, yeah, 2004, or at least for GameCube, uh, that was everywhere. I think we were probably in grade five six when when rainbow six which one came out three yeah we were in grade five yeah and i i remember uh it was you know older brothers of people had it and everyone was talking about rainbow six three and i i didn't understand what that was i also didn't understand why there was two numbers like six three i was like what do you mean like 63 no no rainbow six three and that was just like a thing people would talk about on on like on the schoolyard you know Mm -hmm. um talking about rainbow six three and i didn't play it until much later in life uh i I remember watching it but i didn't actually play it uh until maybe high school i played it on xbox at a friend's house and i got pretty into it uh because it is a really good game rainbow six three it's it's a Mm -hmm. great uh it's a great shooter great tactical shooter um not as good as on the gamecube uh as far as i i understand i think it is better on xbox uh at least it rated better on xbox as well Uh, same with windows too 
And uh, just I and I also didn't realize that this was the third game in the series. Yeah, Rainbow Six Three. Wait, you didn't realize Rainbow Six Three was the third game in the series? No, because well, because I was gonna say because I didn't know I didn't understand. This is what I'm talking about. I didn't understand oh. the Six Three. Okay, that's I, funny. Yeah, because as a kid, I just thought it was like a code name or something. I didn't. I thought it was just like the first game, uh, yeah. and I didn't get like I didn't get it <laughs> clearly. Neil. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's funny because like we talk a lot, or I talk a lot about just the three symptom of video games where everybody jumps in on the third game, Witcher Three, Fallout Three. Like it's all of these Chaos three theory. games. Chaos Theory, yeah, like so it's always the third game. It seems like that people love to jump in on. So I can see the confusion, and you definitely weren't alone. The Xbox version rated better than the GameCube version, obviously because of the online. But the game also graphically looked better on Xbox. Also, the load screens, yes, were uh, f- were terrible on GameCube. Like between each level, the load times were like enough time for me. I was playing this game this week, and enough time to like respond to a text while the level was <laughs> while the level was loading, which is not great. And no. you know, I watch gameplay of the Xbox version and. A little snappier, not not great, but like better than the GameCube version, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, just another Tom Clancy game that's uh, better on Xbox, which is fine. But another Tom Clancy game that had a very confusing launch window where it came out on a bunch of different consoles, a bunch of different dates, different <sighs> names too. The game was released on Windows first uh, as Raven Shield, and then there was an expansion called Athena Sword. It was eventually released on Xbox, and they called it Tom Clancy Rainbow Six Three Squad Based Counter Terror Colon Raven Shield. It's like, come on, like it's it's so confusing how they release these games. It, it, I couldn't have helped that like, releasing the games like this. Uh, yeah, I, I it was really strange, and I'm. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess that was Ubisoft uh, doing that, which I I didn't love how how they created or how they put these games out as we've talked about already. But this was a, a Ubisoft Montreal one, which I thought was funny because Rainbow Six Lockdown, which I also remember that coming out the next year, that was a Red Storm Entertainment uh, game, and they are quite similar in a lot of ways. But you can tell that that Rainbow Six Three is just better graphically. And it looks like a better gameplay in general than Lockdown was. But still, they're, mm-hmm. they rate similar as well. They do. Rainbow Six Lockdown is a bit more of a run-and-gun action shooter, which was the Red Storm game where Ubisoft stuck with the tactical shooter yeah. element of it. And that's why I think it, it rated better and is more beloved. Uh, they're not too far off in terms of ratings, but uh, they definitely took out some of what made Rainbow Six popular in, in Lockdown, the fourth game in the series. Uh, something interesting about Rainbow Six, though, is that it the game came out the same year as the book. And we don't talk about this too often, but this is technically a book tie-in. Ooh. Uh, I can't think of too many of those on GameCube. I'm sure that we've talked about a few, but no movie to, to coincide with it. Yeah, no movie. The, I know the original book. My friend's dad had, I remember he would always rave about the original 1998 book, um, mm-hmm. which w- was the basis for the 1998 uh, N64 game uh, that also came out, Rainbow Six. It's also probably one of my favorite stories. Like the, the story mm-hmm. of Rainbow Six is really, really interesting. Um, and he is, the, the, the title of Rainbow Six is like 007. If you right. want to think of it like that. Uh, so he's uh, John Clark, who's the main guy of Team Rainbow. And he's like part of the Ryan versus Jack Ryan uh, mm-hmm. versus, the, as they call it. He's probably the second most famous Tom Clancy character. Um, he's the commander of Rainbow. And so he is known as Rainbow Six. There's also characters like Alistair Stanley, who's Rainbow Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of other people in here. who uh, There's a bunch of MI6 people, too. Uh, a bunch of people from the Marines. So there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of different characters in this 
uh, in this book and then in this game, uh, like uh, Ding uh, Domingo Chavez, who's the commander of uh, the CIA Special Activities Division, and also mm-hmm. Clark's son-in-law. So he's a big part of that too. So uh, this is one of the ones I remember a lot because they did a cool job of tying in a lot of different stories. I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, one of the big things is just that they one of the big issues they explore in this uh, actually reminds me of Final Fantasy VII, Neil, oh. uh, which is the whole idea of radical environmentalism. Ah, okay. Uh, which is, uh, so there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of Bond elements in this one, I think, more than others, which I is, I think is why I like it a lot. I can definitely see that. What, what's interesting is that this is, this is a game based on a book, based on something that, like a conflict that happened only four years prior. It's based on the Rainbow Nation from 1994, uh, so it's still like a pretty recent uh, like event. And then the number six refers to the numeric ranking of uh, the U.S. Naval captain, uh, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I can't believe how many Rainbow Six games and expansions there have been. Uh, there's been 21 Rainbow Six games and or expansions from 1998 to, to 2021. We're getting the 22nd game in the series coming out later on this year. So this is probably one of the longest running game series franchises of all time. Yeah. Coming out on an annual basis. Oh yeah, I mean, like all the time, you always hear about Rainbow Six. It's just like the one of the few times that the the video games have eclipsed the books and the movie mm-hmm. and everything. And we we did get uh, somewhat of a film adaptation as well, quite recently, Neil, uh, without remorse, which is um, uh, which is with Michael B. Jordan, and he's supposed to be playing him in another movie that's going to be, I guess, tied even closer to Rainbow Six. I don't really know how the whole universe works. No. Um, I know Ryan Reynolds was supposed to play him at one point, which would have been really strange in my Defin- opinion. Definitely now. <laughs> definitely now, especially. Yeah. 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 And so it is a little, the, the, the Tom Clancy universe is a little convoluted for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of hard to completely understand. And also some of the books are quite dated in a lot of sense as well. Yeah. Uh, don't hold up great. No. Um, especially with these ones where it's like, you know, Tom Clancy, who's, you know, pretty conservative and yep. you know, going after the environmental people in interesting ways in this book. Mm-hmm. And then of course in the, in the, the games as well. But uh, yeah, uh, Rainbow Six, it's, if you like tactical shooters, mm-hmm. it's a good tactical shooter. I just think it's better played on Xbox and that's, that's basically or the engage <laughs> the engage especially the tom clancy games on engage were very highly supported this is it is difficult to be a tom clancy video game fan from a nintendo's perspective because yes. there's so few especially uh since the gamecube the 2005's lockdown was the last rainbow six game nintendo consoles saw and like we talked about with um with Splinter Cell, there's been hardly any on uh, on Nintendo consoles, and we had Ghost Recon randomly on the 3DS. So yeah. it's 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 insanely hard to to be a fan of Tom Clancy if you only have Nintendo consoles, which is too bad. I think that ports and collections of these games would be right at home on on Switch with online now, and the graphics can definitely be run on that console. I think some uh, some collections and ports would definitely be right at home on Switch and would sell very well. Like th- these games all sold millions, you know between 2 and 10 million units for each game. I yeah. think they could easily do that uh, on Switch, no problem, if they came out these days. But uh, I have a feeling that the games that do come out in 2022 will be missing on Nintendo hardware. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. But, Neil, we do have one more game, which mm-hmm. is a movie tie-in. Woo! Finally, a movie <laughs> tie-in. One more to close out the day. The Sum of All Fears, which is based on the novel from 1991, based on the film from 2002, Some of All Fears was released on December 17th, 2002, developed by Red Storm Entertainment, published yet again by Ubisoft Platform. It's also on PS2, Game Boy Advance, and Windows. 
This game rates a 3.5 out of 10. Wow. It's terrible. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> we don't get to talk about that too often. This game is probably in the unplayable uh, <laughs> if we had to, but it fits with Tom Clancy, of course. Priced today at around $40. It's another tactical shooter, kind of like Rainbow Six, but without the... <laughs> Without the goods, without the good, (laughs) (laughs) such a good, such a good way of putting it. But it's uh, the 2002 spy movie was a good cast, featured Ben Affleck, Morgan Freeman, based on the novel. Like I said, it's set in the Jack Ryan series. Did very well at the box office, uh, at least money wise. It made 194 million on a budget of 68 million, so doubled, almost tripled its money, or I guess it exactly tripled its money basically uh but it has about a 59 on rotten tomatoes so even the movie is not well beloved yeah i kind of remember the movie this is uh, you know we talked about in the resident evil uh episode fours if there's any good fours uh for Mm. for movies books whatever some of all fears of course being the fourth movie in the jack ryan film series of course we have uh hunt for the red october patriot games clear and present danger and then some of all fears so we had alec baldwin uh, and then harrison Mm. ford playing jack ryan in uh two movies as well and then uh we have ben affleck playing a younger jack ryan in some of all fears but just uh first of all i don't think he was that was a good cast at all like a good casting decision ben yeah. affleck is as this you know matt da- it's funny because matt damon had just started the born trilogy oh okay so this was like his, his yeah. uh, response to that that's funny and so i was like uh this i don't know i i, I remember seeing this movie as a kid and i didn't love it hmm. but um you know, I don't know. I, I don't think I understood it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, they're complicated plots for a kid to understand. I, I don't think I saw this movie at all. I recognize the movie poster. I don't know how. Yes. There's probably a VHS floating around my parents' house somewhere. I'm sure good my title. mother watched it. Good great title. title. Yeah, ja- uh, uh, Tom Clancy was always really good at having good titles. Like, mm-hmm. Hunt for the Red October is such a good title. Oh, yeah. And, like, and you know, all those great <laughs> Five Finger Death Punch songs. <laughs> great titles. <laughs> They just they just mesh together so well. But uh, like I said, the sum of all fears, the game itself is basically described best as a simplified Rainbow Six game. Uh, yep. Simplified being the keyword there. Like the game graphically looks terrible. Like, we talk about the it looks we like talk a about, mobile phone game. It it does. It looks like a DS like a DS uh, FPS game. Like you know, like on the Nintendo DS, how they tried to put first person shooters on there. That's what this looks like. The the aiming reticle is really stiff. Uh, yeah. There's no planning phase before each level. The voice acting is really bad. Um, <laughs> it, it's a, it's a movie tie in through and through. But they really had an opportunity to make something. Well, I mean, they really didn't have much of an opportunity here. They kind of wedged themselves into a corner where they had Rainbow Six, they had Ghost Recon. What else could they do? Because they already had these tactical shooters that were well-established on PC and Xbox. I don't know why they made a movie tie-in based on that those game elements dude it was just this was the time this is what you did uh you know in the early 2000s a movie comes out even something like some of all fears like you you have to make a movie tie-in game of it and that was just what you did and i guess in a producer's mind it's Mm. like hey uh red storm entertainment they make rainbow six they make uh ghost recon we have ubisoft who publishes these games let's just make another one that's easy right yeah. The game ended up selling 400,000 units, so somebody bought this game. 400,000 people <laughs> bought the game, I guess. So I can't imagine it cost a ton to make. We talked about the uh, the $10 million budgets that Splinter Cell had. I doubt that this game had that much. I really hope it didn't. <laughs> um, this game really has no replay value. There's no reason to go back to it unless you're a huge fan of the sum of all fears and or you're going for a complete GameCube collection. I really see no need to go back to this one. It just looks hard to go back to, especially. Yeah, yeah. It's just there's there's no reason to pick this up when something like Rainbow Six exists, uh, which yeah. came out, you know, literally like 
I, I well actually was was out at this time for other consoles for PC, but then yeah. came out you know less than a year later for uh, for GameCube. Yeah, I guess that's one thing we have to say is that this is a, a late 2002 game, so the GameCube is only a year old, but that's not really That's any no excuse, excuse that to no. make it look like this and just just not a good game. Just not a good no. game, Neil. No, bad game. And if it was if this wasn't a Tom Clancy <laughs> episode, we would have fit it in with the unplayable uh games episode, but uh with that, Mike, I think that's enough talk about Tom Clancy for the day. Why don't we close up the episode with uh, our regular segments? Are there any games that you suggest that the folks out there pick up? I mean, Chaos Theory that's got to be the one. It's a yep. fantastic game. It's one of the best GameCube games ever made. One of the best stealth games, if not possibly the best stealth game ever made. Uh, this game is is almost perfect in, in a lot of people's eyes, including my own. Um, if I ever wanted to recommend someone to get into the Cell genre, I would totally tell them to play Chaos Theory. I think it's the best of the Splinter Cells. I think whatever the new splinter cell is going to be should be chaos theory but even the other ones uh pandora tomorrow and splinter cell one uh i personally haven't uh i personally don't know double agent as well so i can't talk as much about it i mean marcello was nice enough to to talk about it and give us his recommendation for it but um even pandora tomorrow and splinter cell one are, are good games and good pickups but i think chaos theory is the way to go I think I think you're right about that. It's definitely on GameCube. That is the uh, that is the game to buy. Rainbow Six Three is also really good. It's it's pretty cheap. I think that you, I I was having fun playing that game the other night. It's yeah. it's it's pretty cool. It's a fun tactical shooter on the GameCube. But uh, yeah, Chaos Theory is definitely the game of the nine to pick up. And also, if you're interested in if you have a PlayStation Three, Ubisoft did ha- go through this this spree in the in the 2000s of putting out collections of games. Uh, they did like their um, they also did their Prince of Persia games and whatnot. So they, they did put out a Tom Clancy Splinter Cell collection. I believe they did the trilogy uh, mm-hmm. Splinter Cell, Chaos Theory and Pandora Tomorrow on PlayStation 3, which is also pretty affordable still. I think I saw it on eBay for around thirty dollars. So oh, yeah. if you wanted to get an H- an HD version of these games and play it on a more current console with, uh, you know, a different controller, PlayStation controller, search that one up, too. I'm not sure if these games are available to buy on the PlayStation 4 or 5, I doubt it. So um, that's an option too if you want to get all three of these games in one shot. There's a PlayStation 3 uh, collection. Yep, yep. Definitely try and get that if you can. And hopefully, you know, this is kind of our next segment here. Hopefully we'll see Tom Clancy on a Nintendo system at some point. But yeah. um, uh, Neil, where do you see Tom Clancy going in the future? I mean, clearly there's going to be more games. There's going to be yeah. more movies. There's going to be more... Uh, just stuff in the Ryan verse that's going to come out. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I'm, I'm torn because I, like, I, I'm on the one hand, I don't think we're ever going to see a current, I don't think we're going to see a Tom Clancy game come out day and date on Nintendo hardware. But just after the direct that we saw a few weeks ago with uh, all of these ports coming to switch, uh, Ubisoft is going to have to renew these licenses eventually. And I don't know if that means that they have to put out like ports of the old games, but switch seems like a perfect place to put ports of the old Splinter Cell, Rainbow Six and Ghost Recon games. And I have a feeling you're going to see a Tom Clancy collection of some kind added in a direct, uh, I don't think it's going to be new. I don't think that they're going to be up or remastered. I think you're just going to see ports kind of like the, I think the PlayStation three port has the most chance, uh, the collection. Yeah. Um, I think that's what you'll probably see just a dumping of old Tom Clancy games on the switch. But in terms of a new Tom Clancy game, I don't think so. The Nintendo online still doesn't work super well. Like it's nowhere near as good as something like a PC or Xbox or Sony. Uh, so the Tom Clancy games need, need online, need an online infrastructure to exist. And Nintendo doesn't have that at best. You might get some kind of a standalone 
uh, first standalone uh, solo campaign Tom Clancy game. Yeah. But I don't know. Ubisoft doesn't seem to be into doing those types of things anymore. They want to make games of services. They want to make games that they can support with online communities. And Nintendo is just not the home for that. So yep. I think old ports over new games for Ubisoft Tom Clancy games for me. Yep, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Hopefully we can get a Splinter Cell remastered remake, whatever trilogy on on some Nintendo hardware at some point. That would be awesome. I want to see a Splinter Cell slash Just Dance crossover. We can get Michael hmm. Ironside dancing to uh, ev- dancing to uh, Every Time We Touch by uh, you know, the classic 2006 song or whatever it was. But Mike, oh, while yes. I'm playing along to Just Dance on my Wii, uh, why don't you let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 87 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. Neil in episode 87. Where are they? It's Batman. Ooh, I was scared there for a moment. <laughs> it's Batman. It's not uh it's not Christian Bale's Batman. It's not even Michael Keaton Batman. Mm. It's mostly Mark Hamill Batman on the GameCube was cool. We're talking about three Batman games and uh, one that's especially really really good. I can't wait to talk about it. Of course, we're talking about it because of the Batman which is coming out uh, on... Uh, the very same day the episode goes live. It's almost as if we planned for mm. that. Uh, but we're really excited to talk about Batman. It is obviously one of our favorite franchises ever. I personally like love Batman. I, I've, I've collected so many comic books from the 90s. Uh, Nightfall is one of our favorite comic graphic novels ever. Uh, it just Batman has always been in our blood. We got to see Dark Knight um, on opening night. That was uh, a really cool moment. And yeah, well, we're just excited to see the new one together and um, excited to talk about some Batman yeah, games. Yeah, Batman's one of the coolest superheroes of all time if it weren't for spider-man he'd easily be my number one i'm looking forward to talking about that next week batman is such a huge part of our childhood with the movies the games the comics like movies are still coming out really excited to seeing it opening night with you mike the batman we've waited a long time for a standalone batman film it's been what 10 years since the dark knight rises so really looking forward to seeing that with you uh, in theaters uh, in i guess next friday by the time this episode goes live so Maybe you and I should uh, should sit down and uh, maybe put on a, a spoiler cast episode for our patrons. What do you think? I like it. Yeah, we'll be doing that for sure. Yeah, all right. Sounds like a good idea. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, until then, thank you so much for listening to episode 86 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a five-star rating or a review so we can make the show better. You can support us on Patreon. We are the GameCube was Cool. Thank you so much for everybody over there. Uh, we love the support. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the GameCube Pod, and we're also now on Discord. The channel is called The GameCube Was Cool. You can chat with us as well as other listeners. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Sam Fisher, Mike says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube. You're not going to say Tom, Cl- tell Tom Clancy hi? Oh, I guess he's dead. All right. I, I guess that's <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> he can't hear you, Mike. <laughs> uh...